What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It is episode 42 already. Uh, the Ronnie Lott episode of the What's Real podcast. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my tag team championship partner in podcasting, the J himself, Jared Bajoris. What's going on, Brains. the J? Brains still pumped up here in October. Hey, Eel, that's what's going on. What's real, everybody? The Ronnie Lott episode up in this house as we here at the What's Real podcast correlate numbridge with 42. But uh, I'm nice and pumped up, man. We got a ton of shit to cover as always. I'm with my boy. We got Cam behind the boards as he is. What up, big Cam? Let's do our thing. Hey, Eel. So we're going to start it up this way this week, uh, of course. The Los Angeles Lakers go on to win the NBA championship four games to two against the Miami Heat. Uh, Kind of underwhelming, especially with a lot of the injuries and stuff. I thought, even though there were some really good games in there, uh, Miami, I thought, gave a really good fight. uh, But, you know, decimated by injuries and what, and it wasn't the the best uh, way for it to go out. And uh, but yeah, uh, the Lakers win another championship. And uh, as a New York Knicks fan. Fuck the Lakers. So whatever. We, yeah, we didn't get to talk about it here on the pod, but game five was a barn burner, man. The heat went in by one Bonkers, point. That, that game was excellent watching that. But again, watching these NBA finals, man, I don't know if you get as irked as I do with the refs in basketball. I've always had a problem with that because I've always been. I mean, we've played our basketball growing up. Um, I've, I've played like semi-organized basketball, basically, you know, like I never played for, um, like an official school team. We just played, uh, like community leagues and stuff is like, as far as I went with that. So my main sports being like football, rugby, even and and soccer is like a little different, but I, I don't know, man. I just was always a physical guy and it just seems like there's just so many dainty, calls in the in the modern nba um i don't again i don't know if that's just me it just annoys well, me <laughs> well well whether they're uh good calls or bad calls lebron's gonna complain oh, about them he was way. killing me too i mean i and i'm a lebron fan but i i don't know like watching <sighs> him this year it just seemed like he was just bitching and, and crying a little bit too much you know like jordan had his way about it too i mean they're they're super competitive jordan just dudes. got a lot of calls yeah that's kind of how it went for so him it's different but yeah that that annoyed me but but yeah i mean the bottom line is it, it was uh still fun to watch sports as we said and um the la lakers tying the nba history championship record was their 17th title this year too so yeah and i can't help but say this and i don't know if this is gonna make sense or this just makes me a fucking hater but it is what it is um i feel like the the lakers winning this championship comes with a little bit of an asterisk but if miami would have won it it wouldn't and i mean that by like you know i don't think the lakers would have won the championship if this would have just unfolded like a regular season um, and frankly, I hope the Lakers fans enjoy it uh, while it lasts, because believe me when I tell you next year, the Warriors are back. So good luck with that. You're going to need it because they're apparently going to load up, too. Um, but I just don't I don't know. I wasn't that impressed with this Lakers team. I really wasn't. LeBron played really good. And I thought that A.D. had his moments. Um, but overall, it just was like underwhelming they're beating a, a heat team with a ton of injuries and one legitimate star maybe two in bam out of bio but he was hurt um but yeah it's it's just not i don't know like i just don't feel like they really were the best team 
Yeah, it is. It's just a weird year with everything with the pandemic and them playing when we're not used to them playing. I think has something to do with that. It. Hurts uh, absolutely. It's, it's just it, yeah, it's just convoluted, like due to the the situation. So it comes down to just it is being what it is. Uh, I'm with you though. Other than uh, Game Five standing out, and uh, maybe one of the other games before that, uh, it was pretty pretty dominant from from LA. More dominant than I thought. As we talked about in our preview of the finals, um, the J had this go into Game Seven. Uh, it only made it to Game Six, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one one thing that does impress me, hey Ed, whether it's a weird year or not, I mean, the NBA is still the top tier basketball in the world, top tier sport, and LeBron James, man, wherever he goes, you know, three different teams, um, he's winning championships with now. It, it is pretty amazing for one player, and basketball is more of a sport where you can do it because you got the starting five compared to other sports with many, you know, a lot more players and things like that. But that's still an impressive thing to me that it just seems like, you know, when LeBron wants to go somewhere else, it only takes him a few years and he's bringing home a title. Well, I mean, I'll also say this too, obviously with them winning the title, you hear more and more comparisons with him against Jordan. Okay. Which I still laugh at because I'll tell you right now, uh, six championships, six MVPs, and he's six and zero, oh, of course, in the in those finals. And he didn't leave to do it; he stayed there. Um, so LeBron doesn't have six; he has four with three different teams. And outside of like, I'll say his win in Cleveland, he was chasing titles every time. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, that's why it's not as impressive. I mean, people like to pontificate on that shit endlessly but it's just that simple to me that's why jordan's better and i know people were like i I saw somebody even say recently that uh lebron's finally caught up to magic johnson and even that kind of made me cringe because especially if you remember the type of player that magic johnson is like magic johnson is like people to this day don't even realize because a lot of the stuff that's happened in his life kind of overshadowed his career but Magic Johnson might have been the greatest all-around skilled basketball player who ever lived. Like, uh, as up to recently. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? And, uh, and I'm not saying that, that he's better than Jordan, but, like, Jordan couldn't play center. You know what I mean? Magic Johnson did that shit in the finals. Like, well, here's here. I don't know if you saw this quote. It was actually um, a, a Twitter post that I caught, and I was trying to track it down as usual as we do on the fly here on the podcast and the time we had, I couldn't track it. So I'll definitely be paraphrasing it, but the guy was basically breaking down every great player that like brought a unique factor to the game. You know, like you were saying, like, you know, if you want a dynamic player, you go to magic Johnson. If you want this, you go to Kobe and at the way end of it. And that was like the whole point. He went through like probably 15 to 20 players with LeBron being on there as well. The last one, he was like, if you wanted a player with a sliver of all of these, go to Michael Jordan. And there was this picture of Michael Jordan sitting on the bench. So yeah, we can track that down. We'll throw on the Twitter, but it was like, you know, goosebump delivering. That's if you're a Jordan fan. I think that that's a smart way of going about it because I think that a that's lot of I these guys well, because well, I always thought the Jordan comparison with LeBron was stupid anyway because he was way bigger than Jordan. So like their games are different. Um, like I think in today's NBA, you have forwards doing things that only guards used to do. So that's where the comparison comes in. But I see LeBron way more of a power guy than Jordan was. But LeBron can shoot, but 
I mean, look at the comparison. Like, you know, like Reggie Miller was the best three-point shooter of, of his era, and he wouldn't even be in the top 10 right now, which is crazy. I mean, he would be if he was playing today because he would get more volume, but back then you just didn't get the volume that you get now. So it's right. like a lot of people think like if Reggie Miller was playing today, he'd be scoring 40 points a game and he might, I, you know, I don't know, but you know, there's a lot of eras and there's a lot of things that are different. So the comparisons are silly no matter what. But yeah. We, we've talked out about that beforehand. It's, it's fun, but when you take it serious, th- that's where I draw the line. It's like, okay, stop because it's just going it, to, it's opinion based. It's not going to be factual. They're different eras. They played at different time periods. You know, you're going to compare Wilt Chamberlain to LeBron or something, you know, and it's, it's just, again, it could be fun to talk about debate, but when when guys turn serious, like we had certain friends, they'd get all heated and shit. And and let the man himself speak. I, I have a quote pulled up from LeBron James in some of the press going on after the championship win. And he says, quote, you guys know how much I love Michael Jordan. I wear number 23 because of Michael Jordan. Y'all can do the debates. So yeah. there you go. James on the GOAT debate after his fourth title. Well, he's not going to win that debate anyway. So it's it just puts him in a – it makes him look petty. So, like, I get why he doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Plus, he's going to retire and he's going to have plenty of years to kind of, like, be petty about shit if he wants to be. Like, some dudes do that in their old age where they kind of just get petty about the game and shit and how they feel about it. But it just is what it is. So, and, you know, I've said this before, too. Like, I do I think that LeBron's a better player than Michael Jordan? No. But I do think LeBron's an infinitely better human being than Michael Jordan was. So there you go. Like, what's really more important at the end of the day? To me, it's the human being thing. So it is what it is. But nonetheless, still another championship for the Los Angeles Lakers, as you said, tying them for the most of all time. Um, But, you know, we'll have to see where it goes from here because they're going to have to continue to build on that team if they're going to want to win moving forward because the West is constantly growing around them. And it's not looking bad anytime soon. A lot of teams are starting to really come up. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from that point forward. Um, But while we're on the topic of basketball, it reminds me, of course, of sneakers. So just a real quick sneaker check, if you will. And then I have something else I wanted to bring up that I thought was really cool. Um, Did you wear anything uh, solid on foot today, the Jay? What's real? Sneak a check. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me because um, it was a nice day here in the pit beautiful and sunny. And I, I had even told you I have uh, switched. I made my official J switch to Timberlands as I do. That's my Pittsburgh uniform in the fall as as we've discussed. Uh, But I was hoping you'd bring up a sneaker check uh, for this week's show because um, it was over this weekend. Okay. And I had on the, I'm I'm looking back at it if I just went out of uh, audio there, but I had on the, the newest pair of Jordans, the, are they on 34? Yeah, they just actually released uh, pictures and stuff for the 35s. That's and, what I thought. So, and, I, and I don't like them at all. I like the 34s much better. I'll have to check them out. But yeah, I, I wore the 34s, um, which we, we've talked about that in the past, dude. They, they're they uh, kind of like teal, purple, black, and white. A color scheme that wasn't always kind of my cup of tea. Wasn't always really big on them when they first came out. Then there was just that one day that I, I, I was looking at them like, dude, I, I like these. I, I think I'm going to go for them. And ever since, dude, I'll, I'll pop them up every once in a while on a nice day. And I really like those those 34. So throwing it back at you, hey, with the sneaker check, would yeah. you have on foot today or recently? 
Uh, today, actually, what I did, because I didn't, I wasn't planning on anything, but it just worked out that way that it matched what I was wearing and it was nice out. So I said, fuck it, because the days are getting limited at this point with decent weather. So I decided to break out the Air Jordan 1 Phantoms. Um, nice. The highs, those are sick. Toms. I love those fucking shoes. I'm yeah, so I happy like I have them. And it's it's kind of sucks, too, because it's like I feel like every time I wear them, I'm uh, significantly dropping the value of them, which is ridiculous at this point. Like, that's the that's one of the downfalls of buying certain Jordans, man. I don't know, even know if we talked about this on the show before, but like you buy them. And I think you're like me in a lot of ways. Like a lot of that stuff, you don't buy to wear right away. So you just kind of get them and then they sit around dead stock for a while. And oh, yeah. then and then by the time you get around to wearing the fucking things, you realize that it's like, okay, these are worth fucking $600 right now. What am I doing? Like I'm, I'm going <laughs> to fucking the grocery store. Like what the fuck am I doing? But uh I try to wear my shoes, man. It's like a frustrating thing about it. That's why I see why certain people are like, I love sneakers. I have tons of sneakers, but like, I don't fuck with Jordans at all. And like, I get that because it's like, it's weird to buy fucking shoes that you want to wear, but you don't want to wear, but you feel conflicted to wear them. And then when you wear them, you feel like an idiot, but then you also feel like an idiot if you don't wear them. And then I'm like, at the end of the day, then why the fuck are we doing any of this? It's stupid. <laughs> the weird life of a sneakerhead. I'm sure you noticed. I, I did uh, some guerrilla marketing for the film and in the one pr promotional pic that I took and posted on social media, I had on the Concords. Okay. And I got, I got more than a few, mugs just from the photo shouting them out dude those just those you stick know, out that's why we like, wear them that's that, why we do it that yeah that's it's the nod that's what you're looking yeah. for you know what i mean uh but dude i actually had a question for you because we didn't even talk about this uh but i know that you wore them uh you got the new balance v992s or the 990 v2s i should say uh what do you think of them dude you called it hey yo as usual with us being on the same same plan consistently here, and uh, they are super comfortable. Other than maybe one other pair, dude, I always throw back those Rock Deltas that seem to suction to my foot. Yeah. Uh, these these are up there with my most comfortable pair for sure. You know, that's why I mentioned to you I started wearing them during work on nice days, uh, which I don't normally do with anything that, that I don't like to beat up. But I figure those are, are wear shoes, you know, like, like to your point. I'm not going to dead stock or sit on those. I'm going to take care of them, of course. But I'm going to put those in the rotation of, of working with, with my beaters. And I think the third day – I had talked to you about that. I wore them work and I stepped in dog shit naturally. So they're currently downstairs in the, in the laundry room ready to get cleaned up. But it's, uh, dude, you know what I always say about new balance? This like, they're mad comfortable anyway, but like the perfect thing is like, if you find yourself like super busy one day doing a bunch of shit and like, you're just on your feet a lot and everything. And like, you know, like sometimes you wake up the next day and you're like, dude, I'm feeling that shit. My feet from yesterday, man, like yard work or what, you know, like whatever the fuck you're doing. Uh, throw those on all day and like it will help you so much that it's like it's worth having them on deck like a hundred percent um but like keep that in mind like if you ever have like a day or something where you're like dude i'm i was running so bad yesterday that i'm fucking hurting today pull the new balance out dude do the old man shit fuck it and like watch how much they help it's crazy I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, you know, and that's why you have friends that are 
interested in similar things and, and are able to point stuff out and, and everything because I was never a New Balance guy at all. I mean, I obviously knew they existed, but other than that, never really noticed them. And I think once you put them in my head and we've been talking more sneaker checks on the podcast and things and just as we've both talked about branching out from like, we're not just strictly Jordan buyers or Nike buyers by any stretch. No. And so I was kind of exploring them. And then the show kingdom, I watch the, the dude in the one office scene had, had on a pretty cool pair of new balance and right there, that's what it takes for my retail therapy ass. I jumped on Amazon or different things. You know, I ended up on NewBalance.com or whatever. And that's when I ended up copping them. You know, I stumbled on those ones and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a pair of spin. Yeah, I so, need. But yeah, definitely a good call, man. I need to calm the fuck down because it's been ridiculous. Like the last month or so, I've probably gotten like seven or eight pairs of shoes, and it's like, dude, this is just, and it really sucks because this time of year, like we were saying earlier, it's like you just realize to a point, you're like, dude, I'm not gonna wear these things for like eight months. Like, what the fuck <laughs> well, am I doing? Like, it correlates with as we record the podcast, uh, as we shot out on a Tuesday specifically. I I was just talking about like chilling out, you know, going kind of slowly creeping not not to jump too much forward but you know christmas is somewhat around the corner and you know starting to save some money and stuff because i've been buying a bunch of goofy random shit and everything i'm like yeah i'm gonna chill off amazon because it's like anything dude abstinence is the best route so yeah just don't I'm even just not look. Gonna go on there and then I, I wake up yesterday and it's like tomorrow is prime day there's gonna be all these deals and even my buddy i work with was like dude did you jump on prime day i got this uh 10 inch hd fire for 80 bucks which is like the best deal ever and this and that i'm like dude i'm not going against my own yeah you know my own thought i'm just gonna stay dude. off you know because deals or not i'll just end up getting 15 deals and still spending 250 dollars that i don't need to that's the shit that sucks i swear to god like you you go through your motions and you buy your shit and then you're like all right i'm done i'm not i'm, I'm taking a break and then it's like literally everything you want's like 85 percent off you're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I couldn't get, I couldn't find anything to buy two weeks ago. But now that I'm like, I ain't spending any money. It's like, I could have bought nine pairs of shoes today. A bunch of other shit that I saw. There's three games coming out. A bunch of fucking Blu-rays I want. It's like, I fucking hate everything. <laughs> it sucks, man. Uh, but dude, one of the other things I wanted to bring up since we're on the topic of sneakers, I sent you this. Uh, just because it's, it sticks out to me is like a perfect thing from like our era of shit. Uh, but every once in a while on the Nike sneakers app, they will go back and show you like a classic catalog. Uh, they'll pick a year and they'll, they'll pick like a season and they go back and, you know, they'll, they'll post their full catalog on the sneakers app. And the reason why I sent it over to you, cause they did 1994. And obviously this is the holiday footwear, uh, ad and, I look, I usually look through these whenever I see them on the app, but when I saw this one, I was going nuts because this is an era that I remember very well. Uh, the, the Jordan tens were finally coming out and the air up highs were offered in low court for the first time. They had the air model leathers and the air coconies and the air diamond turfs. And that's the reason why I wanted to bring this up. And they also, it was the first time they offered up the Barclays, the Air Max Barclays in white, uh, the high top white ones. So, like, obviously, I was bringing this up to you because, like, we knew each other at the time and we were still somewhat into sneakers even back then. Uh, but, like, dude, do you remember all this shit? And, like, it's insane seeing it again. Like, I didn't even realize it. Oh, of course. It. It's, it's great. That's why I was loving it. As, as we 
thoroughly discuss here on the pod, Jared and Ed's love of nostalgia. And, you know, it's definitely a trip down memory lane. Uh, at this time, we were, what, 14? Yep. So that's like, you know, the prime of starting to get into the Jordans. Like you said, the Jordan 10s coming out that year. And just seeing some of the pictures of these, I remember some of our boys having some of these exact pairs yep. and stuff in school. Yep. You know, so, yeah, I like when stuff like this pops up, man. It's like, you know, as we always age age ourselves, but you take those trips down memory lane and uh, it just brings back a, a ton of memories. And it's a reason we're still sneakerheads to this day and seeing shit like this. And dude, the, the air, tur- the, the diamond turfs reminded me uh, of one sneaker that I do like to pull out this time of year. I got a pair of air speed turfs that are, they're called the Steelers. They don't have any logos or anything, but they're black and gold, and they yeah, are. You have to send me a picture of those if you remember. Perfect. Yeah, I definitely will yeah. after the show. Uh, but they're perfect for the season, and that's one of the ones I actually only break out during Steeler season. So, like, I'll get a good like ten wears out of them for the year, and then they get put away until next season. Because that's how much I like these shoes. Um, but they remind me a lot of the Diamond Turfs. It's kind of what they were based on. They're not as high, um, and I still I had a pair. That like there's this green and black pair of Air Harashis that I had, and there's also they were we called them the Dion's back then, but they were the air the speed turfs with the gold and red. They were in the the yeah. Niners colors. I yep. fucking love those shoes. I wish they would put them out again. Um, but dude, it's it's really hard. Like I know we get a little nostalgic for a lot of this stuff, but like dude, it's really hard. Like what the one that came up recently that we were talking about were the Air Raids. Like it's so hard to not buy shoes that come out when it was like i fucking had those yeah exactly and those those come out um we were again we record tuesday before we even drop the pod on thursday the 15th yeah these are scheduled to come out so i i might shoot for these hey you know, what, what are your thoughts on uh, trying to get a pair uh i probably can't swing it because i gotta get some car work done this week but if for some reason it's less than what i think and i got some bread to spend yeah i think i'm gonna at least gonna try uh, because they're they're sick. They go with so much shit, and they're just classics. So it's like I could see me getting a pair of those and literally not even wearing them for a year with no intent to sell them either. It's just that's how much I like that shoe. Yeah, just dead stock them. Yep. But uh, another thing too, just uh, before we wrap up on this this kind of shit, uh, it's it's obviously the fall and stuff like that. Have you been picking up any clothing or anything? Because I tend to go nuts when the fall hits. No, because that's the thing. I, I kind of did go nuts, like I was saying, with with a ton of random stuff. I mean, you you know how I personally like the Roots of Fight, yeah, line. You know, it's like the the professional athlete line. They have uh, everything from boxer gear, Muhammad Ali and Tyson stuff that I have to pro wrestlers. They have uh, deals with Rey Mysterio, Bret Hart, and Andre the Giant specifically. I have all three of those gears, so I I still have. Um, my last order from roots of fight um, to your point with dead stocking stuff in my dresser in, in the, the wrappers they came in. Yeah. Um, one cool standout that, that you might get a kick out of here on the pod that I don't even think I told you about is I got a Barry Sanders white t-shirt with blue. It just says Sanders on it with the number 20. Oh, that's sick. Lions blue. So yeah, yeah. Sick one. And then I got a, a Bret Hart hoodie 
that's ridiculous. Okay. So, and that stuff's expensive. So those are some of the more recent buys and, and why I haven't kind of been looking um, because yeah, I'm, I'm usually in the same boat when it's time to get some new stuff. But uh, I think the pandemic era just makes it different for me too. Cause like you said, like, what am I going to do? Stock up on polo, cool fall polo shit and go to the fucking grocery store. Yeah. I mean, see for me, the fall, everything immediately becomes like with purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not buying stuff just because I'm like, oh, I like the design of that. Like, I've, I've purchased probably in the last month, like, four or five hoodies, a couple fleeces and shit like that, a ton of North Face stuff. I just don't like being uncomfortable in the winter. And that's one thing here in Pittsburgh, as you know, the Jay, that could be really fucking uncomfortable if you're not prepared for it. Cause I've had that shit in the past where I just didn't have the money or I wasn't concerned with it. And then you realize that January's here. It's snowing like a motherfucker. Your coat sucks. Or like you have like the typical, like I've had this coat for a few years and all of a sudden the zipper breaks on it. And you're like, well, I don't want to go buy a new coat that I'm just going to trash anyway for the fucking winter for a month. So I might as well hold out. And then that's when Pittsburgh decides to give you winter until fucking April. And then you're like, I should have just went and bought one anyway. But like, it's, it's a frustrating experience here, but like, I'm all set for the winter and shit, but the fall stuff, you know, still kind of peeking in. But like, I kind of just trail off after like, this is like around the time I kind of stop with that stuff. And then like the only other shit that I end up getting for the rest of the year is like maybe a couple gifts or something at Christmas because I just don't have a need. I have so much of it and I have plenty for, you know, the first couple of months of 2021. And then it's like time to break out the fucking T-shirts and shit. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it all goes back to uh, to prioritization, you know, like you were mentioning, like what you need, like jacket wise or whatever. Um, and I'm pretty good this year. I just got a pretty expensive, like really nice winter uh Calvin Klein okay. jacket like two years ago. Okay. So that's still good to go. And um, I still bust out my leather, you know, old oh, school. Yeah. Every you know what, dude, while. I'll be honest with you, dude. I always think a leather is good for like, like, you know, well, again, we're in the COVID era, so it's not like this kind of shit matters. But like, if you're going to like something nice, you know what I mean? Like if you're going yeah, to like a dinner. On, exactly. Or, well, it's, and it's also perfect, too, if you got to wear like dress clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like if you have to unfortunately go to a funeral or a wedding or something in like when it's fucking cold out and you're wearing a suit or something, but it's not warm enough. It's like, then just throw a quick leather on and you're good. Like you, you don't look like you're, you know, like, like a little kid wearing like a suit with like a Penn state fucking starter jacket. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's funny. You said that because I have this sick ass Ralph Lauren big ass. Like you, you would wear over a suit, like in the winter coat. So I barely ever, it's exactly what you're describing. It would be like a winter funeral kind of thing yep. or, or a winter wedding for whatever reason. That's why I've, I've probably literally only worn it. You can count on two hands having it for years. And that's but, what it is. It is ridiculous. I look like fucking Don Corleone. But, but no, but that's kind of what it is. Like you, it's not flashy. It's pretty simple and it's pretty classic. So it's kind of yeah, like if you buy it, one, is for sure. you're, you're good for like a decade. As long as you still fit the fucking thing, it's not going to look out of place. Well, that's why you called it. It is like a fucking when they wear those winter jackets in pro football to go over the shoulder pads and shit. Yeah. It's huge. So yeah, I've, I've had it for forever. Yeah. I mean, dude, the, the weather we get, especially once you start getting into January and shit right after the holidays, man, we get some of the worst weather of the year here. So it's a bitch. And it's also happens to be during a time of year around new year's and stuff where like you want to go out and do shit. 
So, like, you just find yourself out with, like, a ton of clothes. Like, you're about to go fucking sled riding, but you're just going to somebody's house or to a bar or something. So, yeah, but that's, uh, you know, figure that'd be a a good topic to bring up. We got a ton of other stuff, uh, obviously, this week. A ton of wrestling-related stuff, too. Uh, The WWE draft just occurred, and I've barely paid any attention to it, but I can tell you from what I've seen, boy, they're just really lost in everything that they're doing. They're just trying to come up with stuff, man. And the creative is just so consistently bad and they just need anything they can get right now. And they're kind of forcing this, the the whole draft thing, I feel, because again, the COVID era, like the whole full roster doesn't seem to be readily available per se, but and it kind of is just, like, I guess, I mean, they named uh, Daniel Bryan to SmackDown and I haven't seen him on TV in forever. Same. I was actually going to bring that up and ask you about him. Cause I'm sure he recently had a kid and, and he seems to be like a very precautionary yep. personality. So he's probably like, you know, fuck that. I'm not risking shit. Like look what Vince, he ha- he has however many people testing positive for COVID. I'm not bringing that back to my newborn child yep. and, and recovering wife or whatever. And then um, I was laughing because we were cutting up on some of the names of some of the newer guys, especially NXT, <laughs> but that Dabo Kato came up. Oh, God. That just sounds like a name that we would just make up cutting up. And that's his actually name, Dabo Kato. Yeah, it's like, uh, they, yeah, they're just lost creatively on, on almost really everything. I mean, like the, the one thing I've actually enjoyed in the company recently is like the whole Roman Reigns storyline. But that's like that's what sucks. Like they do stuff like this, the draft, which kind of overshadows everything. And then nothing from the draft really ends up being a big deal. Like it might be this week or something, but like in three weeks, it's like every, like you'll see people still flopping back and forth on shows. And then some big person that got traded to raw isn't getting pushed anymore. So it looks weird that like, so-and-so got picked in the second round and like, they're not even on TV now. Like it's, it just, it's a mess. Yeah. I think the, the biggest problem is how much content that they're still absolutely putting out each week because there's so such little positive stuff because it's still, is sprinkled in there. I don't know if you did catch raw. Hey, we didn't talk about it, Very but I little. did. And, um, there was a impromptu triple threat match between Jeff Hardy, uh, AJ styles and, uh, Seth Rollins. It was actually really good okay. like, out of nowhere. So they have stuff like that, but it's just so hard to filter through all the creative obsolescence, man, just terrible as creative anymore. And I'm with you, man. I've just, again, you, you know how I do it. I have a, a TV in my office for raw. I just watch it in the background just to keep up with what's going on. And obviously I'm like facing my back to it. So it's not like I'm paying the most attention. And when there is something good, like the triple threat, I'll turn around to check it out, that sort of thing. Yep. But the, uh, the draft is just like all over the place. Like you said, it's like, Oh, raw got Dabo Cato, Arturo Ruas and Riddick Moss. Like, wow. Yeah. And, and it's like, and then, what the fuck's going on with Raw Underground? And why should I give a fuck? And it just doesn't like a lot of what they're doing just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't like it. Put it this way: it, usually at the draft, I'm not saying the draft's usually good, but it at least makes me interested in watching it. Like after it happens, like oh, okay, well they're gonna switch yeah, fresh some matchups. Things. Yeah, not this yeah. one. 
Not no. this one at all. Like, I'm just like, basically, it looks like you just took all the best talent from fucking SmackDown, left them with the usual mess they get, and somehow they still end up making a show that's better than Raw usually. You don't include NXT in it for some reason, but you have in the past. Like, it, I don't know. I'm just so tired of the randomness of everything. And it's just everything is so mediocre that it's like, I get why people don't even want to watch this shit anymore. It just makes sense. How about they brought, um, what's his name? The big, they call him the freak. Uh, oh, Sullivan. Yeah, the fucking Lars weird Sullivan. idiot that you probably yeah. shouldn't even have a job there, to be honest. But whatever. Um, yeah, but that's like, I saw him pop up and then I read something they were like, the original plan was to have him feud with Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, yeah, cause that would have been fucking great. That's what people want to see. Like, yeah, uh, hurt Brock. Yeah. And, well, and then Brock would have broke his neck and then we'd all probably all be better off, but still it's just like, I, they just don't have any clue of what they're doing anymore. And, it's, and there's, there's still been no news or word on Brock's current status as a free agent. He's an official well, free agent yes. as of now, right? Yep. Yeah. He does not work for the company at all. Um, so, and, and there's been a lot of talk about him going back to UFC, but there always is whenever he's a free agent, I feel like he always just does that to get more money. And then he eventually will come back. Like, do I feel that he's really going to go to UFC and fight John Jones? Probably not. I just don't see other than like one big payday why that's good for either of them. And plus, what's pr it's probably going to be like this. If they end up doing the fight, they'll do it. Whoever wins, wins. And then you're going to find out two days afterwards that fucking Brock got popped for PEDs and fucking John Jones was on coke again or something. It's just a typical mess type shit. And it's, it's well, I go into what Dana White. You know, Ugh. you got to go with Dana White says, because he specifically has stated that he considers Brock retired and just brushes it off. Yeah. So if it was more serious, you know him, he jumps on saying shit that isn't necessarily going to even happen. So yep. uh, if that's the case, I feel like that he's just not going to be. And, and the more time that goes by, the older Brock gets as much as a super beast as he is with real fighting. Uh, you know, I just don't see it happening. But um, in, in both pro wrestling and mixed martial arts, definitely never say never. I mean, those are two ones True. That, you know you could be surprised still so and until brock's like in his 50s um but at this point i i'd say less of a chance of him returning to the ufc and just um not not too far from now signing a big uh another deal with wwe yeah and i think the wwe is just legitimately holding out at this point until crowds come back because there's really no point in paying Brock the money that they're going to have to pay him to just do that's shows why, in front of nobody. That's why he's in limbo. Exactly. Yep. Uh, moving right along to AEW, there's a big AEW Dynamite anniversary show this week uh, with a really good card. Uh, there's a major announcement with MJF uh, pertaining to Jericho. They're kind of hinting that he might join the inner circle, even though I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, FTR and Best Friends are going to link up for the AEW tag team title. The AEW women's title will be on the line as Swole will get a shot at Sheeta. Uh, Orange Cassidy faces off against Cody for the TNT title. And the AEW title will be on the line as John Moxley defends against Lance Archer in a show that looks fucking super strong. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
this looks really good. That's why I wanted to bring it up because as, as we say again, um, by the time our podcast drops, this is going to be old news in a lot of ways, but nonetheless, we still want to get our AEW fix on here too. Cause it's tough to talk about recording on Tuesdays and the fresh show drop in the very next day and our podcast, not even drop until Friday, but nonetheless, with our pro wrestling talk, um, you know, we're loving some AEW right now and this show looks really good. So I was like, Hey, yeah, we got to at least bring this up and, you know, maybe give predictions and, we can see on the podcast this weekend uh, if we were accurate. Yeah. I mean, off the bat, like you said, I don't think that, um, that he's going to join the inner circle. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think that's just going to set up like how they've been doing their stick with each other, which they do have really good chemistry on the yeah. mic. I like how they, they play off each other and stuff. A lot of it seems improvised, which WWE doesn't let mugs do anymore or has for years yep. at this juncture. So it's cool that they have that dynamic, you know, that ability in, in AEW to do things like that. And um, the, the first full show on TV with all title matches. So that just makes it interesting to me um, to begin with, because they don't do things like that too much so far in aw do you uh foresee any title changes this week on the show yeah so looking at the card um you got the world championship with moxley i don't see archer going over there i don't either um they're gonna do something screwy to kind of keep it going i believe but exactly but i don't i don't think he's gonna lose the belt moxley dropping the title has got to be special at this point because one thing about it however you feel about his reign he has had it for a long time, and I've always loved that, especially in modern wrestling, where the longer reigns are, are tougher to accomplish. So yep. uh, that 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 you know, they better not fudge that. You know, especially just being an up and coming company still, and things like that, they can really do something good there, uh, putting over like a younger talent or a guy that's on the verge yep. eventually. So, uh, and I don't think that's Archer. Um, Cody Rhodes versus Orange Cassidy is very interesting, but with Cody Rhodes just winning that title. I don't foresee him uh, dropping it to orange. So uh, that will be interesting to see how they do in chemistry wise. But um, I I will say this. I I don't think the title is going to change there either, but I don't know if this makes sense to you or not. I think this is the most likely one to change uh, just because I feel that there's a possibility of maybe them doing something with the dark order, maybe costing Cody the belt. Um, but that's really the only reason I see something like that potentially happening. Um, because I, I honestly believe that they're, they're biding time to kind of move Cody up into the main event again. Um, that's why I think they're kind of making him dusty Rhodes jr. At this point, he's, he's changing up like his, his gimmick a little bit. Um, and obviously I think that Kenny Omega is going to make his way to the main events too, but they're really, lagging on that storyline so i think they're trying to hold it off a little bit longer so i for some reason i foresee cody going up to the main events before i do kenny uh they're both gonna do it i just think that that's the timeline and i think that the best way of doing that maybe is getting the tnt title off them putting it on somebody like orange cassidy for the time being and then continuing with a feud with Brody lee uh, where there's no belt involved, but I, I really doubt that's going to happen. I just think that it's most likely the one to change out of all of them. And I, I like how they're in no hurry in AEW with a lot of their stuff. They, 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 they are able to do the slow burn. And I, I think that's the big difference between them and WWE. Yep. As we were discussing, yep. WWE still has all the, the content that they have to get out with all their various t- TV deals being the much bigger company, but that comes at a price with really struggling with creative where AEW and just having their two hour slot, their random pay-per-views. I think that they're at a very good pace. And I think that's why we're more into the pro- product 
product. And, and that's why they're able to have more, uh, you know, better storylines and, and, and things like that. And, and I feel like they focus more on wrestling than WWE, you know, they give By guys far. time and things. Yeah. That, well, that dog collar match, just to shout that out was unbelievable. It, it was. And see, here's the thing. I feel like in WWE, what happens in the ring is there to set up what they're doing backstage. And I feel like watching AEW, the everything they do backstage is for the ring. So like whenever you watch AEW, the focal point of the show are the matches. But when you watch WWE, the matches are just sprinkled in as an accoutrement to like the backstage stuff that they're doing with storylines. The matches don't get the 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 proper spotlight in WWE until there's a pay-per-view. That's generally how their product's been forever. Um, but whenever you get a company like AEW on TV doing what they're doing, it's a it shows you just how glaring of a difference that that really is, like in real time. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's going to be uh, really cool to see how they they do this show with the the four title matches. So we'll uh, we'll find out when we drop this weekend uh, what went down. But uh, definitely wanted to to get a get some AEW discussion on the show since uh, mostly we cover it when they have a pay-per-view because we're able to watch it on the weekend, but there's uh, some good stuff going on right now. So we wanted to get that talk in there. And one of the more unfortunate things that I saw this past week was AEW's most recent signing. They have signed Eva Lease to a contract uh, and she's really good, but uh, she's a really, really shitty human being. So that kind of sucks that they would want to bring something like that into AEW, which is also I think you're you're toting a fine line there too because I feel like AEW from from everything that I've heard sounds like it has a really good backstage environment and just throwing in a couple people that aren't really in that same mold or don't have the kind of chemistry with the roster can be a problem. Yeah, so enlighten me, hate you, because I don't know too much about her. Uh, she um, she tends to shoot on people. Uh, there's been a couple matches, uh, specifically one that she had for AAA where she just utterly beat the shit out of some girl. Okay. I, I do um, remember that. That's her. Okay. And she, and she's a horrible person with, I'll just leave it at this without getting into detail. She has, uh, you know, spewed some really shitty opinions on, on the internet as well about people and wrestlers and on and on and on. So I just think that it's kind of unfortunate that, that AEW would bring her in that way. Um, but she has been there. She's just been working without a contract. So it, it's been a possibility this whole time. Um, I'm just kind of surprised it took this long because I don't know if you saw this or not, too. Just it, it reminded me of it. Did you see that uh, Zack Ryder, a.k.a. Matt Cardona, is no longer with AEW? Same bra- brain wave. Jeez, the, the wavelength farts this week. There we go. Same wavelength in in uh, brains that we have, dude. Because I was just thinking of asking you about Zack Ryder while we were talking some AEW. Because from what I read, that he his contract ran up, and I guess he's still discussing a deal and possibly re-signing, but it's not a hundred percent. Correct. Where are we at there? Yeah. That, okay. that it, well, see, here's the thing. Whenever he originally went there, he signed a five shot deal. Um, which is even more mind boggling looking at it now that they brought him in to do what they did with him, And it culminated with an eight man tag that he was in um, at all out, which was really stupid, but I don't really understand the reasoning behind it. I know that he does want to work some independent dates, but that doesn't seem to be a problem with AEW because I saw that they let John Moxley do it over the weekend. Um, Wardlow, he, yep, Wardlow showed up at IWC. Like it does have our sponsors, absolutely. Uh, local Pittsburgh professional wrestling company, so that's good there, and that's where he's from actually too. 
Um, so they do let guys do the indie dates and stuff like that. So it's just kind of surprising, especially because uh, we do know that outside of the world of wrestling, he is friends with Cody Rhodes. So I, I, it's just kind of surprising to me at this point. Maybe he's going to go off and do a few other things first, and then we'll see him come back. But I don't really see any other place more ideal for for him than than AEW. It sucks because we previewed his debut and we were hoping um, good things because he can go. Yeah. And, and he has the look. He's like, he's huge now. The, the everything going for him. But uh, yeah, they didn't seem to really know what to do with him. And then having a short contract and things doesn't help because how, you know, how are you going to push or build a guy that may be gone in only a few appearances? So that, that all makes sense. But, uh, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens moving forward with, with him in AEW as well. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him, you know, out of nowhere returning to WWE either. Cause again, that's pro wrestling. For yeah. Especially whenever things open back up again, it's very possible that, uh, that they bring somebody like him back. Uh, they've done it exactly. before with other guys. I mean, we saw his, one of his best friends, obviously, uh, Kurt Hawkins, uh, AKA Brian Myers, same thing happened to him just a few years ago. Um, so you never know. Um, and obviously as long as he's in shape and, uh, is still able to go, um, there's going to be some sort of a market for him, whether it be on the indies or with one of the bigger companies. So uh, we have a huge show for you guys this week. Of course, we're going to be talking uh, 30 Days of Horror uh, or the 30 Day Horror Challenge a little bit later on in the show. Uh, this week, uh, our movie that we're going to take a look at is a brand new one from 2020, just uh, de- just appeared on Netflix last weekend. It's the new Adam Sandler Halloween comedy, Hubie Halloween. Uh, And of course, uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some NFL talk. But first, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, guys, please try. Give us a five-star review. really helps out the algorithm to get more eyes and ears on the show. You can listen every week on Apple iTunes, as well as your other favorite uh, podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and every week, on churchillpictures.com. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, guys. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit, well, I should say a lot of it, uh, about the NFL uh, latest week. We're going to give our power rankings. We're going to talk about the potential tragedies and triumphs in the world of fantasy football. And we're going to break down the Steelers and Eagles from this past weekend. So stay tuned, everybody. We will be back right after this on the What's Real Podcast. Hey everyone, this is The J with the What's Real Podcast, here to talk about the feature film from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Studios, Deference, winner of 2012 Silver Ace Award at the Las Vegas International Film Festival. Deference, two best friends get in deep with the head of Pittsburgh's most dangerous crime operation and are forced to choose between their friendship and their lives. Own a hard copy of Deference today. Churchill Pictures' first feature film is now available to own in a hard copy format. The film is available on a USB flash drive, preserving its best quality in exclusive collector's edition packaging. To order, simply email us at churchillpicturesllc at gmail.com. That's churchillpicturesllc at gmail.com. Only $9.99 plus shipping. Deference, when tradition fades, order preserves respect. Hey everyone, it's the Jay from the What's Real Podcast, here to talk about the unsung film from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Studios, distributed by Bayview Entertainment. Amadeo Fusca is Detective Jones, the lead on a case, following the path of a suspect, learning of his motives, and uncovering the meaning behind the symbols left at each crime scene. 
As Jones dives deeper into the mind of the killer, Eric, played by Jared Bajoris, becomes more engulfed in his alter ego, and the two collide in the middle of the investigation. One is an officer of the law, and the other is an unsung hero that emerges from the shadows. The unsung is now available to own, and the film will be released worldwide on Tuesday, October 13th. Follow ChurchillPictures.com on social media or ChurchillPictures.com. Also, the film is currently available to stream on Vimeo.com and Amazon Prime. That's ChurchillPictures.com, Amazon Prime, and Vimeo.com for the unsung. And we're back. It is time for some NFL Week 5 talk here. Uh, specifically this week, we're going to start out, since we didn't have it last week, with the Steelers versus the Eagles. Um, kind of hard to believe, man, but uh, for the second time in your lifetime, and for the first time in mine, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-0. and um, It wasn't the greatest game, but at the same time, it was a really good game, if that makes sense. Um, and as usual, we're going to have our good, the bad, the ugly, but the J man, four and O first place too. can't complain about being four and O hate yet, no matter what the case, um, you know, a lot of the sports talk that I was watching and all the, the pre shows and things like that on ESPN that, that I put on the background doing some, some errand or, you know, work around the house Sunday morning and they're all the talking heads kind of talking, but you know, did the, the Steelers prove themselves this year yet? Because the opponents they beat have a combined record that's that's very low with wins, and you know have they faced a, a true opponent? Mm-hmm. And we have talked about it. The Eagles have been pretty low in our power rankings in, in recent weeks, so yep. it kind of continued this week. But I think the Eagles are a capable team, as they showed to be competitive in this game. Um, like you said, we'll break it down as we do. But um, to, to be four and zero off the bat is the bottom line. Hey, yo. Well, real quick, because we usually overanalyze the Steelers here, but I'm just going to throw this out with the Eagles. Um, I was a little bit – I had a misconception uh, that I didn't realize uh, coming into this game that I figured out afterwards. Um, I thought that Philly's defense just was not very good, and I thought that their offense just was trying but couldn't pull out wins. Uh, And I was wrong about that. Their defense is actually pretty good. Uh, their offense is a mess, and that's even with uh, – and I forget for the life of me what this dude's name is, the wide receiver for Philly that went ape shit. Yeah, uh, forgot. Yeah, I mean, the dude it was like <laughs> – like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's ever had more than one catch in a game So until that week. Um, so that was huge, but like, yeah, dude, I, I hate to say this, but – Carson Wentz is like the longer they stay with Carson Wentz, the longer they're going to go without winning anything again. It seems like that. Um, and that's officially Travis full Fulham. Fulham. So that's who it is. He's the bro ham Fulham. But yeah, he, he blew up. I mean, good for him. Uh, shout out to our alma mater, Woodland Hills, and then oh, my yeah. alma mater, Penn State, Miles Sanders. Uh, if anybody's going to st- score on the Steelers, go ahead, Miles. But uh, you know what? In a win when we still I, win. I will say this, too. He had that one, what was it, like a 70-yard run or 67-yard run, whatever it was, for the yeah. touchdown. Other than that, he didn't really do anything. That was the chunk of his game, yeah, yeah. for sure. But in, in my good hey, off the okay. bat here, uh, I, would, I would have to say that in this particular game, it looked like the defense was struggling a bit. 
and the offense decided to blow up, especially, of course, I mean, the number Chase one good. Chase Claypool. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Woo! As I said, some people were calling him Mapletron. I he's love from that. Canada. I fucking and, love uh, that. That's definitely my initial good for sure. I mean, dude, uh, I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, he was number one on my list, four touchdowns in the game. Uh, he really looks like he's going to be something in the making here for the Steelers. I like his game. He's a very, very good route runner when they said that he wasn't. Um, he has good size on him. He can go up and catch balls. He Dude, can catch in traffic. Prototype yeah. NFL receiver, I, I feel. I understand. Physically. Like, I figured, like, we both said this, uh, maybe on and off air about him. Whenever the Steelers drafted him, we were both kind of like, what? But we both said, well, if they did it, there's a good fucking reason why they did it. And we're seeing, I think, now what the Steelers saw in him that maybe we didn't necessarily believe in just from his time at Notre Dame. So uh, he he's a great pickup so far, man, and I'm very happy with him, and he really blew up today. Um, but, yeah, I definitely have him as number one in my good. And the other good that I have here is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I'm not going to sit here and act like Ben's lighting the world up throwing for 500 yards a game, but he's been efficient. Um, the one thing that I know people have kind of been on his ass about a little bit is the deep ball. But the one thing that's very promising to me is that if you notice, he's been missing guys long. So he has a little bit of his timing that he needs to get down on that. But like, it's not arm strength. His arm is just as good, if not better than it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the thing you nailed it. And we said in the preview of this season for the Steelers regarding Ben is that if he could just manage the game, the the longer that our offense can keep our stellar defense off the field yep. gives us an advantage against anybody in the league, really, because that's the more rested up, obviously, and things like that. Yep. Um, another round out uh, on my good. Hey, Ed, uh, and then we'll go into the bad F- for myself. It was James Conner, dude. If, if he stays healthy, I mean, he gets a ton of criticism here in Pittsburgh, but when he's healthy, it's not like every healthy game. He has a great game, but he, he played well. He scores touchdowns and I'm just crossing my fingers that this year he can be consistent and stay healthy. Although just saying that here on the pod, I'm probably jinxing him. But I thought Connor uh, fell into my good column this week. You know, I I didn't have him in mind, but the reason why is because I think that the offensive line for the Steelers, as far as the run game goes, has been very lackluster this year. Um, They've done very well at protecting Ben. Um, They didn't have a single holding penalty until the last game. That was the first first ones all year. So that's great. Um, But as far as the run game goes, I think that it's hurt them to not have a healthy DeCastro in there uh, again. Um, Oh, definitely. And that that kind of goes into the bad. Uh, well, not bad, but you'll see as we go on here. But like the offensive line needs to be more consistent as far as their blocking schemes in the run game. That will help James Conner. And I think that James Conner is kind of getting a lot of the blame for their issues so far this season, too. So I wouldn't disagree with him being in the good. Yeah, I liked what I saw. And just a little, since it's like a neutral tidbit, I wanted to bring up with the broadcast team during okay. this week's week Steelers-Eagles game. One thing that was driving me me nuts, there was this one point, for whatever reason, they were bringing up the Steagles. Yes, and it they always like they were do. fucking with us. They're just nope. like, yeah, the Steagles. I'm like, quit talking about the goddamn Steagles. But 
just funny for those that don't know, it was a, a combination of Philly and Pittsburgh uh, for one for season, one season way back in the day. And the other thing I wanted to mention, cause it was the first time that at least myself personally had noticed it. Hey, Al was, I thought Vilma was fantastic. Yeah. He's on, really on good commentary. Yeah. I and, thought he was great. Man. He and, was making a lot of good points and we don't get him a lot because yeah, obviously that's why the I think Steelers it's the first don't, time I really noticed. Yes, yep. He and I, something I didn't even realize, and he brought it up during the game. He was drafted the same year that Ben was. Yeah, they brought that up the 04 draft. And there's so still like, five active guys. I'm like, holy shit. Dude. Yeah, that's that's one of the best drafts of all time. Without just because of the quarterbacks alone at the top, but when you look at the rest of the draft, it was a really good draft. Yeah, all, a lot of talent. Dude's playing for 16 years in the NFL. That's ridiculous. So uh, um, now on to the bad yeah. here today. Uh, what, give us something from the bad column that you got. So my bad column, hey, you know, was, as as I had mentioned earlier, was the fact that at times it seemed like the defense was a little out of sorts uh, for how good they are. Uh, they let it's, it's like that Pittsburgh Achilles heel thing, man. They let teams back in it when they have the lead, and they were starting to do that. You know, they had a pretty well lead, and um, then the Eagles started making a bit of a comeback there towards the end. So that was my first bullet point on the bad. See, I have three things that I wanted to mention here under the bad that will fall under the category of our defense, which you just brought up. Uh, First thing that I have is Eagles wide receivers. Now, why is that a bad thing for the defense? Because outside of Fordham, who was balling, their receivers are terrible, terrible. And they were eating up the Steelers secondary at points in this game. And that's not good. And that leads me into something that I'm really shocked. I'm about to say here on the show for bad. And it's the first time I brought him up on bad and he deserves it. But dude, Minka Fitzpatrick does not look like the same player that we saw here last year. Uh, He's an all pro. And this year he has no interceptions. Uh, Guys, I saw a stat where like whenever he's thrown to, there's like nine completions and four non-completions. So like they're getting the ball in on them when they do. And it's just, you know, the secondary is clearly the error uh, in this team right now. And, Also with Vince Williams, who's great against the run, but he's a huge liability against the pass. And and if he's that bad, then he's affecting the the secondary. So, like, they need to do something about that if if that's the problem in the scheme. They would know better than me. But, like, uh, this isn't going to be able to fly for the rest of the season because bad teams have been performing very well. So, like, whenever you face off with the elite teams, you're going to get smoked. I was going to say that's that's a great point because we, we were mentioning going into this what some critics of the Steelers at this point say, and that could really, you know, that's really going to be a test when they do play those upper tier teams. So uh, we'll have to see. I mean, pretty crazy. We're this far into the year and haven't had a division game yet either. So uh, very big, weird, big game this week. You know, we'll get ahead of ourselves uh, with Cleveland um, just to round out my bad. Hey, you only had one more bullet point okay. and that was um, Eric Ebron's fuck ups. Terrible. Um, for the game he had last week and, and uh, the potential he has, that wasn't good to see. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll expand on that a little bit more here in a moment. Uh, as far as my bad goes, I had two other things I wanted to mention uh, just in the bad. Uh, it ended up being fine, but uh, JJ or TJ Watt got injured at one point. In the that game, was, that's my only, which, ugly which is had, like so. that, but he came back. So that's why yeah, it only okay. made it to the bad. So that, that yeah. was okay. And the other bad for me, and I'm not saying it's going to stay this way, but Juju, Oh, Juju, where the fuck art thou? 
because you have been a ghost in this offense. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, especially with Chase Claypool and the way he's playing coming out of the slot and stuff, like, I'm telling you, we're not going to miss him next year if this is the type of season he's going to have. No, and I'm hoping it's it's like anything that just out of nowhere he starts blowing up and, and really becomes a much bigger part of the offense because you're exactly right, dude. He's he's in ghost mode right now, and uh, Claypool's taking all the shine as we're kind of up up in the air with the number one receiver here in Pittsburgh yeah. so far this year. And that Deion, you know, Deion Johnson's hurt because that that was my my that, ugly just yep, to mention that, that hey leads us to the uglies, you know, DeCastro and yep. Watt going down, luckily coming back, but it always goes to the injuries with the J, and that was in my ugly. Yeah, the the two uglies that I have is the Deontay Johnson injury. He can't stay on the field this year, and he's really falling behind because he didn't get a full preseason either with Ben Roethlisberger. So they need all the snaps they can get together, whether it be in practice or whether it be on the field, and he's just not getting either right now, and that's a bad thing for them, especially with somebody like Claypool uh, on the, you know peaking and also too we just had him on the bad list but like i don't foresee juju staying there i think he's a much better player than he's shown whether i think he's a number one receiver or not it's a whole other conversation but i still think that he's a solid receiver and he should be playing better at this time and we're probably going to see that so it's going to be harder to get uh touches for for you know some of these guys as the season goes on uh the DeCastro injury for me is terrible he's not been able to get on the field this year and that is a problem especially for the Steelers offensive line and uh to expound a little bit on what you said for another ugly that I have Eric Ebron um I've been kind of critical of the Steelers for not using him up to this point, and they tried to use him this past weekend, and it was a fucking disaster. So I don't foresee him getting many more, you know, touches as the games go on because he just hasn't performed when they needed him to. I'll just keep him in the the, the blocking schemes and keep him blocking if he's not going to show his hands. But, yeah, big fumble there and hitting his own helmet. So, you know, he knows he's fucking up. He's in a new system. Still somewhat early in the season, so – the optimistic Jay is is hoping that the potential is there and that Big Ben can kind of bring him out of uh, of any slump that he might be having so far. Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. But, uh, you know, I'm happy that the Steelers are 4-0. They get the Cleveland Browns this weekend, uh, which should be an interesting game for a myriad of reasons. We'll be watching that together. Hey, yeah, absolutely, man. I look forward to that. That's going to be fun. Uh, but, you know, I think that the Steelers have everything possible to beat the Browns. Um, I think that on defense they're going to have some troubles, uh, especially if they decide to start throwing to Kareem Hunt a lot. Uh, in the middle of the field because uh, Vince Williams is not equipped to, to deal with that. Um, but I, I do see it being a game that the Steelers could very well win pretty easily too. So it, it could go either way. I do think the Steelers will win. Uh, if I had to take a guess, I'd probably say this one, you know, the Steelers win maybe like 24 or 14, something like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with 28-21 uh, Steelers, and I think it's going to be back and forth as they've been showing every week. That yeah. we, we know our Steelers. They don't run away with it. It's probably most likely going to come down to that fourth quarter, but I see them uh, pulling this out. So uh, going to be a hell of a game, though, I'm, I'm feeling. Yeah, and it's kind of good, too, especially going into the season here 4-0 and because the Steelers generally play better as the season goes on. I 
absolutely think that's something that we're going to see this year too. So to be 4-0 this early on, uh, I think that we're going to be looking at a pretty good season here uh, one way or another for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we look forward to that, and obviously we'll have a lot more analysis uh, next week uh, as far as the Steelers and Browns go as well. But moving right along here, the Jay, we had some fantasy football this past weekend as we do every weekend during the NFL season. So you have two teams. How'd you fare this weekend? So my specific team that's really struggling, the stinker team, the Blue Dragons, are 0-5, hey, you know, my worst start of all time by far. I am obviously in last place, uh, 10 out of 10 teams in that league, got blown out 140 to 108, but that is the team that just has a ton of injuries. Uh, my backup quarterback, Cam Newton, which hasn't mattered yet because of my starters, Mahomes, has COVID. I lost Austin Eckler in that league. I had James White that has been all goofy. So a lot of issues there. Then to boot, there's guys like Zach Ertz that I have that he had 1.6 points against the Steelers, which I was happy about as a Steeler fan, but not as a fantasy football manager. But then the bright side, hey, you know, the other league, um, the purple-headed Warriors themselves, making a bit of a comeback. It's two wins in a row. Okay. I destroyed my opponent this week. The team's showing potential. At, at the time of recording, I even have Buffalo's defense tonight uh, to add to it. So uh, we'll see what happens there. It's interesting. I'm kind of in the middle of the pack ranking-wise and am looking to go to two and three at this point, though. So um, that, that league will be interesting, and, and that just brings up how weird it is that we're having football on Tuesday night. Ugh. Yeah, I hate it. I, I can't say that I'm a fan of the Tuesday night football thing at all. And yeah. it's two and it's two undefeated teams, so that's even worse. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Which, and, how, how'd you fare, hate you? Well, I lost again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so you didn't tell me. Yeah, th- listen to this shit, okay? Th- this is how the weekend uh, turned. St- I'll give you the breakdown. So I started on Sunday, and I didn't know who my quarterback was going to be. I even talked to you about this a little bit, if I was going to start start Justin Herbert or Drew Brees. So I decided to hold off on that, right? So first things first, they did the last-minute thing where they decided the Patriots weren't playing this weekend. So that totally fucked me because I needed to start James White because my starting running back Aaron Jones was on a bye week. Also, I have Devontae Adams, who was on a bye week. So I'm playing with like the splinter team. Okay. So <laughs> my, basically everybody that I started early on did nothing. Okay. I had Russell Gage from Atlanta had a point. Uh, Keelan Cole had a better game for Jacksonville and expected he had a touchdown. So I got nine points there. Uh, Cam Akers for the Rams uh, didn't do much, had six points. Uh, I have Harrison Butker for the kicker for the, the Chiefs and he got me seven points. Uh, I had the 49ers defense this weekend who got the shit kicked out of them by the fucking Dolphins. So they got me one point. I was worried at one point that they were going to get me into the negatives. Okay. Now for the performers on my team, Sunday night, Adam Thielen had a really good game. He got me 20 points. That's great. Okay. Uh, We're going to rewind a little bit because I have two players for the Dallas Cowboys, one of which did absolutely nothing. Their tight end Schultz got me zero points. CeeDee Lamb had a really good game until Dak Prescott blew his fucking leg out. So he got me 15, but he was literally on pace to have like 30 points in the game if Dak would have stayed in. 
And then I made the smart move on Monday night of starting Justin Herbert, who got me 34 points. And I lost 96 to 93. And here's uh. the here's the killer. Guess who I picked up off waivers this weekend that, because someone had dropped him. And I didn't start him because he was coming off an injury. Who? Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from the Los Angeles or the the Las Vegas Raiders, who got 20 points on my bench. So if I would have fucking started him, the guy I was thinking about starting and didn't, I would have yeah, fucking won this man. game handling. All in the decisions. So, crazy. So right yeah, now I am one, three, and one. And that is good enough. Well, actually, we'll get the new rankings after tonight because there's still games playing. So I, I'm currently in 10th place. Not looking good at this point at all. So well, neither of us having too good a season. We'll, we'll see what kind of run I could take in my league with, with uh, the Purple Headed Warriors kind of rolling. Yeah, and We'll see. And That's li- why we have fun talking about it each week. And then guess what I realized uh, looking a little bit ahead yesterday. Um, I realized that Justin Herbert and Drew Brees are both on a bye week. <laughs> so basically my best bet right now, and I don't know, it'll. I'll probably find Wednesday morning actually is when I find out. I need to pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick this week from the Dolphins, who's been a great fucking quarterback this year in fantasy, which is insanity to me. But I got to pick him up and hope that he can fill in for one week and not get fucking murdered. Uh, Who's so the Dolphins matchup? I don't even know. I didn't even look okay, yeah, I because I don't. Like, here's the thing: it doesn't matter because the other choices at quarterback for me are so fucking bad. I think the yeah. best the best choice would be Nick Foles for me at this point because I play in a 14 person league, so I am screwed. Um, one three and one going into next week without a quarterback. Uh, I'm gonna get to the point here any week where I have to win out to even make the playoffs. So my season is pretty much screwed. Yeah, it sucks. 2020 continues. Hate y'all. It does. So keep listening for more fantasy talk. It is time for us to get in our official What's Real podcast power rankings after week five. What's Real NFL power rankings 2020. So the J, I have a funny feeling the song is going to remain the same. Who are the worst two teams in the NFL in your power rankings? New York, New York. We we all know you guys love my New York song. And yep. I'll, I'll just run through this because Rich Samini here on ESPN sums it up the best. The Jets aren't good at anything, so it's hard to pinpoint one weakness. They're one of only four teams in the past 30 years and the first since the 2013 Jags to lose their first five games by multiple scores. They've lost by at least nine points in every game as the offense has managed only six touchdowns. They've given up at least 27 points in every game, and the defense, which kept them in many games last season, is yielding 395 yards per game. It's a dumpster fire. That's yeah, I agree. The Jets are also my 32 and I assume your 31 is the same as mine in the New York Giants. Yep, it's the Big they, Apple is, hey, is struggling, man. I, I'll be honest with you, this is the way I was looking at it too after watching the games this weekend. When I was watching that Dallas game, um because Dallas has such a high-powered offense and everything, I'm like, "Hey, if the Giants win this one, I'm going to move them out of the 31 slot." They didn't and I didn't. So uh, the same for both of us there with the Jets I mean, least, and Giants. It, it's no no excuse, but at least the, the Giants have the, the, the excuse of no Saquon. Uh, Sterling Shepard, speaking of fantasy and my injuries, dealing with turf toe. So 
uh, injuries can can really drop you, especially when you're losing one of the best running backs in the league. So, I mean, no doubt, that's, I, I love that description. Just a pure dumpster fire. That team's uh, a mess. moving forward to uh, 25 on the Jays list. Hey, you know, uh, we'll run these down because these teams uh, stink at this point <laughs> in the season. Uh, Atlanta at 0 and 5. Same. I, mean, I was even giving them the benefit of the doubt because of uh, their offense hey, and, and they, having big leads to lose. But and they, 0 they, and 5. And they finally fired their coach Dan Quinn and their general right. manager. So they're moving on there so that can actually i wouldn't be shocked to see them actually get a win this week because of that and their owner is still the dude that looks like pacino from dick tracy right? <laughs> yeah arthur blank he definitely does yeah. that's great yeah he's all <laughs> fucked up uh next up is jacksonville at one and four at 29 um, yeah same yeah wow i mean it's it's kind of getting obvious for some of the bookends i feel you know, i, I agree attention. i agree yes again going off a record and just uh, at this point watching a lot of red zone uh so we might be pretty consistent here uh because both of us know the nfl and have been watching a lot this year uh because next up for me is denver at 28 okay and one and three and um i'll just run it to 25 yeah and then yeah can, uh so washington at 27 cincy at 26 and Detroit at 25. Okay. I have, obviously, uh, the Falcons, as you said, at 30. The Jaguars at 29. 28, I have the Washington football team. 27, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. 26, I have the Denver Broncos. 25, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, They are a mess. So, the J, take us down to 20, brother. All right. So, next up, um, we had Houston. Okay. One and four, losing their coach and GM, as we've thoroughly discussed. And they, they still have a lot of talent on that team, spent a lot of money, did a lot of crazy trading, and uh, just looking terrible at one and four. Um, next up would be the Miami Dolphins for me. Okay. Um, that is followed by the Vikings. Okay. That's 21, I right? Have, yeah, 21. And then I had the Chargers at 20. Okay. So I have at uh, 24, the Minnesota Vikings. They blew another game this weekend that they actually should have won. Yep, should have um, won that. 23, I have the Texans because they did get a win this week. So I'll give them a little bit of credit there. With the oldest head coach in the league, I believe, with Romeo Cornell, uh, which I didn't know until this week, and I still would have thought that Pete Carroll was older, but nope. At uh, 22, I have the San Francisco 49ers. They got their ass beat by the Dolphins. Period. Yeah, it's true. At 21, I have the Dallas Cowboys still with one win on the season. Or I should say they got the win this weekend to get their second win on the season. But they beat the Giants, and they struggled to do that. Uh, It's not looking good moving forward with Andy Dalton as quarterback. They might still be okay, but their defense is going to have to improve by leaps and bounds for them to even remotely be involved this season. And for me, at 20, a team that I think is kind of surprising me moving up here week by week is the Miami Dolphins. Um, they, like I said last week on the show, they, they're not the most talented team, but they do have talent. They have a smart quarterback and coach Brian Flores is a really good coach. So they're going to be better than a lot of people expect. And, uh, you know, that it, it was a surprise to me that they won as big as they did this weekend, but it wasn't a surprise that they beat the Niners because I think the Niners are, are also a team headed into dumpster fire area because of all the injuries they've had to deal with up to this point. So the J, you want to take us up to 15? Yep. So that's where I got the Cowboys at 19. And as we've uh, brought it up, shout out to Dak, man. Jesus. That's just nasty to see such a 
nasty injury with the fracture and um you know so obvious and graphic um and, and you know how it is hey the older we get you brutal. know it used to be all about all kinds of brutal shit <laughs> not anymore like, uh, yeah yeah like that could that could happen to my ass waking up on a sunday morning just walking yeah, on right. the steps <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um next up i had the uh san francisco 49ers that's where i put them okay um Followed by a couple couple teams that are definitely in the run of the mill here. Uh, the Panthers, who at 3-2, and two, as we've discussed, without McCaffrey, still kind of holding in there, uh, showing some some promise at receiver and with Bridgewater. Okay. Uh, and then I had the Cardinals and the Bears rounding out to 15. Okay. I have at 19 the Chargers because even though they didn't win the game, man, they, they're sticking in there with people, and they almost beat the Saints. It took overtime for the Saints to beat them on Monday night. Um, also, too, just so everybody knows, uh, there is a primetime game tonight as we record this show. That game is not taken into consideration. Our power rankings are actually – they would expire like Monday after the football game. So, uh, so basically the Bills – and the Titans are going to get credit next week, most likely, as long as nothing changes from the schedule from now. But I'm not foreseeing that. Um, so they might get credit for two weeks in one week. So you might see those teams jump up mightily uh, over the course of the next uh, from now until next show. Um, so I have the Chargers at 19 at 18. I have the Lions. Uh, they're kind of like the Chargers to me, like they're in every game. They just end up blowing them which sucks, yeah. uh, but, it, get the dub. but it shows you that both teams are just a couple players away from being serious contenders in either the AFC or the NFC. Uh, at 17, I have the Cardinals, uh, a team that, uh, you know, is still a lot of inconsistencies, but they have the talent to be one of the best teams in the league. At 16, I have the Carolina Panthers. I think it's a fucking miracle what they've been able to do without their best player. And also, Teddy Bridgewater's getting better week by week there. So that signing is looking to be incredibly smart as the, the season goes on. And at 15, for me, a team that fell this week because... They lost to a team that I felt they should have easily beaten on Thursday night last week uh, in the Bears, but I'm going with the Tampa Bay Bucks at 15 for me. So the Jay, you want to take us up to the top 10? Yep. So four horsemen here, hey, 14 through 11. I have the Colts, Bucks, Raiders, and Pats. Um, in this clump, uh, the Raiders shining a lot, coming up a significant amount after upsetting the number one Kansas City Chiefs and looking good doing so. Uh, we've talked about that, man. They, this team has been steadily getting more consistent when more you know towards the beginning of the year they didn't have that consistency. We're kind of up in the air, but uh, you know don't don't put it past Gruden. Yeah, he's a solid um, kinda, coach, man. He really is. Yeah, I kind of go back and forth with him because of his personality, but I, I kind of like him. So, so yeah, the Raiders stand out in that pack, and I'm keeping the Pats, um, you know, just out of the top ten because of their capability with Belichick. Man, I'm just such a such a nut for for Belichick and getting abused by him as a Steeler fan for several years. <laughs> I guess. But he he carries he carries them to to the 11 spot. Okay, so for me at 14, I also have the Colts. Um, I thought that they should have played significantly better, but man, they're really looking like it's really looking like Philip Rivers was a mistake up in Indy. Uh, at thirteen, I have the Chicago Bears. Um, they just beat the Bucks, and it's weird. But I explained this to somebody the other day. They're like the, one of the worst four and one teams I've ever seen. But yeah. but they're four and one, so they're moving right along. At twelve, I have the New England Patriots. Uh, not obviously no movement this week, really, because of what happened with their game getting postponed. At eleven, 
I have the Cleveland Browns uh, just outside of the top 10, uh, mainly because I think that the Colts beat themselves, but they're rolling along. And I'm telling you, if they get a win this week against the Steelers, they're definitely going to break my top 10. So the J, as we do, uh, let's go one-on-one here. Who do you have at number 10? Number 10, I have sitting right now the New Orleans Saints. As do I. Um, I think that uh, they they show promise to be able to beat just about anybody, but then again, you never know which version of the team is going to show up. And obviously, whenever Michael Thomas is punching teammates, uh, and I'm also hearing, too, that it might not have been the first time that's happened. That's why they actually sat him out of the game. There are some, There is some trouble brewing in New Orleans, but so far, you know, they're, they're working up to it, and I, I agree. Definitely a good call at number 10. Number nine, I put that's where I put the Browns. They did break my top 10. Hey, you know, okay. what can you say? They're looking pretty good for me at nine. I have the Raiders uh, because that that win to me, I had them up higher than you to begin with. Um, but the win against the Chiefs is enough to get them in my top 10 because I believe I had them at 13 the week before. Um, they look really good. Uh, and they're also a little bit inconsistent, like I was saying about the Saints. But we'll have to see as the week goes on to see who could stay a little bit more consistent. So who do you got at number eight, the J? This is where I put the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. At eight for me, I have the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they did fall a little bit because I feel like a lot of the COVID stuff is their fault. So other teams are going to get better consideration because they were actually able to play on schedule. Uh, so who do we have at number seven, the J? That's where I have the Titans. Hey, yo. And that's where I have the Rams. Um, the Rams, I think, are very surprising. Their offense is very potent. And uh, their their defense, too, man, they got a ton of sacks this weekend, too. So uh, definitely playing good on both sides of the ball, and that's good enough to get them at number seven on my list. Uh, who do you have at number six, the Jay? That's where I put the Buffalo Bills uh, undefeated and looking good. So they're closing in on the top five, seeing how the next couple weeks go. And like you said, kind of uh, – off hold right now because we can't uh, rank them from this week. Yeah, and I actually have them in the same spot that I did last week at number six. Uh, I felt it wasn't their fault the game got rescheduled, so I didn't hold it against them. Um, But now we go to the top five, and the J, I know this is going to be interesting this week. Who do you have this week at number five? I think there's something to it. Hey, just where everything's sitting, the way I see it, I just kept the Steelers at number five. Okay, I had a change this week. Okay, yeah, because I know you've had them there for a while too. And the reason why I have the change is, and I have a feeling this is only going to be a one-week thing, but I had to do it because they lost to a team outside of the top 10. I have the Kansas City Chiefs this week at number five. Who do you got at number four, the J? Number four is where Baltimore sits at this point. Okay. At four, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers moving up a spot because they got the win this weekend when the Chiefs lost to that big one, so I felt it was enough to move them up. Plus, I had a few other teams moving around as well. So who do you have at three this week? Yeah, so this gets interesting, hey, Ed, with the uh, KC loss. We'll see what we're thinking here. Okay. I have Green Bay at three. Same. I felt that they had a bye week, so they didn't do enough to go up or down, so I just kept them right where they were. Who do we have at number two this week, the J? Drumroll head. I have KC. I dropped them because they lost, and I'm big on Seattle. So KC and Seattle, two to one on the Jays. Uh, week whatever week six NFL power rank and for me at number two I have the Ravens with number one this week being the Seattle Seahawks still undefeated 
and uh, they're rolling along, man. And and you know, I think you kind of knew this with me, especially if you noticed where I've had them ranked since the season started. They were gonna creep in that spot if they got the win this weekend, and that's exactly the my line of thinking. So it's gonna be very interesting, I think, after this week to see how much more shifting goes on because there's a lot of possibilities. Like, uh, you know, obviously teams coming back from their bye weeks, uh, you know, teams like Buffalo, like imagine this, man, what if this upcoming weekend that maybe the Chiefs don't play very good, the Steelers lose, the Packers win, but aren't impressive. The Ravens and Seahawks lose and the Bills end up winning two games. Yeah, that, and that's why it's fun doing this because uh, you you had mentioned it in the past. It, it makes it more interesting. It like almost adds even another layer to doing fantasy, especially uh, with both of us uh, struggling as fantasy football team managers this year. Uh, just to pay attention and see what happens. So uh, I've been having fun with that. Hey, Ed, again, I always reference the the red zone because when the Steelers aren't playing, you know, I kind of get to see everybody in the league and and, and have better um, you know thoughts on on things too. So I'm I'm enjoying the. The what's real power rankings for sure this year is a good way to kind of cover the NFL week to week as, as a whole. Yeah, I think it's made it a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's definitely given me more. You know, I have my antennas up around a lot of teams that I normally exactly. would. Exactly. So, uh, and yeah. and you know, it was cool too because I got to see some of the you know the Cowboys and the Giants this weekend. And it's you know I see the Cowboys a lot, but I haven't seen the Giants a lot. So it's like you know if they're if I'm going to say they're as bad as they are, I want to see what they look like. And they didn't look that bad this weekend, but they're still not very good. Um, but yeah, and, uh, not to digress, hey Ed, but as we speak, as we record this, this uh, Tuesday night game started. I didn't know it was starting that early. Yeah, seven o'clock, man. Popped up on the Twitter thing. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize that. It's cool. so weird, man. It's CBS game too at seven o'clock on a fucking Tuesday. So uh, it was, I thought it was funny too. Over the weekend, I heard uh, some of the announcers go, they're like, well, things keep going this way. We're going to be calling games on a Thursday morning. Like, yeah, seriously. And, and you never know. Cause I'm sure. Hey, they have those London games. Like I would forget about <laughs> yeah. like, wake up at 10. It's like fucking in halftime on certain games. Like what the hell? Yeah. It's like, what the hell's going Or I'd forget they were on at all. So I turn at one o'clock. I'm like putting on the Steeler game and they're like, the dolphins beat the Bengals 27 to four. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? At 10 a.m. I'm like, oh, yeah. London game. That's right. So are they doing? I, they're obviously not doing no. this year. I just mm-hmm. answered my own no, question. they were planning on it, but they did. They obviously canceled yeah. all that stuff. COVID. So exactly. Yeah. But uh, that's it for the football segment this week, guys. We are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to do 30 days of horror all in one show. Uh, it's a 30 day horror challenge. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. Hey everyone, it's the Jay from the What's Real podcast, here today to talk about ChurchillPictures.com. Churchill Pictures was founded by two childhood friends that grew up in Churchill Borough, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Jared Bajoris and Damian Ofuska began collaborating on their first feature film in 2007, Deference, winner of the Silver Ace Award at the Las Vegas Film Festival in 2012. Go to churchillpictures.com to check out our original trailers, documentaries, comedy sketches, the entire history of the infamous Backyard Wrestling League, UCW, exclusive independent wrestling content, and exclusive videos showcasing our next huge film project entitled The Marks. This includes an appearance from our character, the feature presentation, Johnny Starr, on the streaming talk show, Alone Together Pittsburgh. We are Churchill Pictures. Established from the bond of two childhood friends, we envision creating visual content that is completely original, thought-provoking, and most importantly, entertaining. Churchill Pictures. Picture the possibilities. Go to churchillpictures.com today. 
And we're back. And as we said before we went to the break, it is time for the 30-day horror movie challenge. We're going to do all 30 days in one show. This is kind of unprecedented. So let's go for it, the J. The first horror movie you ever saw. All right. Hey, y'all. Now, the J, as you know yourself, hey, y'all, and to our audience members, um, I've mentioned week after week, if you don't know me, um, you're talking 40 years of stunts, pro wrestling, rugby, football, soccer, etc. I've had many concussions. For me to remember the first horror movie I saw was very difficult. <laughs> That's why I ran <laughs> So I'm thinking we talked about it a little little last week when um, you know, I wasn't really allowed to watch too hardcore stuff. So this is going to be okay. weird. Um, I don't know if it was Halloween because I remember that time that, that I've discussed on the pod where I finally got to watch Halloween for the first time. And I was pretty young when it was on TV. The only other one I remember, and this is so weird, but this is going back in the Jay's twisted ass mind, was the original Troll. I remember okay. seeing that super young and being creeped the fuck out because that, that bouncy ball goes down to the basement and shit. <laughs> and I like I like can remember that, you know what I mean? So so that's mine. That's just my mind. But that's that's what I could try to try to remember because you're going back thirty some years here. Now this one is weird for me too because I just I was young and I don't really remember what was first here, and I don't really consider one of these a horror movie, you know, a horror movie. But uh, the one that I go with is Creep Show. Uh, that's one that I definitely remember, and I remember the time period I watched it. And everything. So how old? Uh, at that point, probably six or seven. Yeah. Cause I remember renting it like specifically, like I remember renting movies that weekend and renting a VCR and the whole deal. Um, the only one that might be before that. And it was also just on television. It was like a big TV premiere that I remember. And it, and if I'm talking here, like I might be off by a couple months. So this could be a few months after this or a few months before this. Um, and it was David Lynch's the elephant man. Oh, wow. Um, which isn't really a horror movie. Like I, I remember seeing For a it. kid. It is. <laughs> and well, and then I remember years later finding out when that movie was made and I was blown away. Cause I'm like, dude, I, I thought that movie was like from the fifties or something like as a kid, yeah, you know, that's black and like, white. Correct? It's black and yeah, white right. and it's from 1980. Yeah. So, and that, which is weird. Cause that's the year of like raging bull too. Like where they were still making black and white movies too, which is bizarre to think about off the top of my head yeah but yeah so it's either one of those two for me so either creep show or the elephant man um day two on our list here is what was the last horror movie that you watched so just last night hey you um going just on on demand uh pretty tired so i, I went to lay down somewhat early like 9 30 ish you know kids were still running around with katie so um I bring that up because this was so random because we, we talked about having our our list and our 31 days we put on. This one actually wasn't on it, but I always enjoyed it, hadn't watched it in a while, and it was on On Demand, so I threw it on last night. So that was the most recent one I watched, 30 Days a Night. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That kind of brought uh, back a unique take on vampire, you know, the vampire genre for a while there. You know, the yeah, unique I time it came out. I like the movie. I just I haven't seen it in a while, and I I would imagine a lot of the CGI is pretty terrible at this point. Eh, it wasn't um, it wasn't too bad because it's just no? not, you know, okay. It's just, nothing's like like close up or anything, and it's just vampires biting, so it's like blood splatter. So yeah, it's okay. not bad. Um, for me, the most recent horror movie, as you know, I kind of go through the gamut, which 
We're also going to talk about that after this is over. We're going to update you guys on where we're at for the month uh, so far. Um, but the most recent horror movie I watched was House of a Thousand Corpses. I've been wanting to rewatch it for a nice. while. Nice. I watched it too for my 31. What'd you think it's, again? Because we talked how uh, you haven't seen it and you were interested to see what your most recent take would it, be. It's shitty. It's literally like him fucking trying to copy a bunch of shit from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And just, dude, I absolutely hate the whole thing with Dr. Satan and the fucking executioner, dude, because, like, they're amazing and it's just such a bullshit thing that they do and then it's forgotten about. Yeah, I, I just don't. It's a mess. It's it's an aesthetic mess. Um, but I do think there is some cool stuff about it. I, I like the cast. I mean, I think the cast is one of the strongest things about it. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's basically what I kind of expected. So. Day three, horror movie you love that everyone else hates. Uh, so this one we talked about, man, this this was a tough one. You know what? We got to update the list because this is on here twice. This is day three. And is it day, really? Day 10. Or no, that's oh, OK. Horror movie you love. It's the other one. It's the other way around. That's yeah. my dyslexic. Um, so horror movie I love that everyone else hates. Hmm. See, I, I put this uh, in the wrong slot, so I have to go off the top of my head on this. Um, Yours might be similar to mine in this one, though. No, because I, I know you hate this, and I see it's tough to say I love, but I, I'm going to go with it because I don't want to take up all this time trying to think of it because I kind of fucked up here. That's okay. Rob Zombie's Halloween too. I don't think it's bad. Oh as, Jesus! Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd have to I rewatch it, but I remember. Maybe it's one of those ones that everybody shit on it before I got a chance to see it. Um, okay. That's Which is very things, possible. I, I think I got that from you, just like a burnt disc um, and didn't watch it till like way after it was out. So, so yeah, that, that'd be my answer for that. For me, it's one that like people just, I was always shocked to find out people like most people didn't like this movie at all. And I actually, not only do I like it, I think it's better than the first one. And I know you probably agree with me on this and it's waxwork too. Oh, that's a people cool call. That's a cool people call. hate waxwork too, and I'm like, that movie's fun as shit. Like, I don't know what there is to. Ha- I mean, yes, it's it's very like Z grade on a lot of you know shit. Like, it's not a big budget horror movie by any sense of the mean, but it's still a lot of fucking fun. Yeah, that's a good. So call. yeah, that's my choice for day three. So day four, what's the goriest horror film you've ever seen? I went with Dead Alive. Hey, you know, Peter Jackson. Same thing. Oh, nice. It's that's a technical thing. It's a technical thing because that movie's literally just drenched in blood. That's yeah, that's but it's it's funny. So it's like, you know, like people don't consider that, but it's like, no, that's there's more blood and guts in that fucking movie than almost anything you can think of. But like if you're measuring buckets of gore like that one wins, it's usually not even close. So, yeah, that's where I went with that one. Uh, Day five. Uh, what's your favorite horror movie, the Jay? I went with the Jay's old glory. Shout out to my cousin, Johnny, who was almost like a big brother kind of figure, uh, us growing up. Cause he was a little bit older and we were super close and he kind of introduced me to, uh, horror movies and heavy metal music. He's, he's the reason for that. And skating, which we have that okay. common ground as well. Evil dead Two, the classic. Mm. I just dude as a kid, man. Just loved it. I mean, you know, this is like goddamn near impossible because as we always discuss, when I talk about the way I consume art 
and as favorites, it's a mood thing in yeah. a lot of ways. But yeah, I yeah. just went I just went with an old J class that goes back to starting out as a horror fan. Yeah, I'll never argue with that. That's a great one. Um, you know my answer here, and it's Dawn of, of the course, Dead. That's uh, yeah. yeah, that's not even close. So it just is what it is. That one was super easy for me, but now they start to get a lot harder. Day six, what's the funniest horror movie you've ever seen? So this isn't drop dead funny, but it's hilarious and I love it. And I wanted to get it on this list. I went with Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I have kind of a tie and I put Shaun of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead because I just oh, get that's a, a good call. Both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're both great. kind they're both kind of in the same vein. I mean, they're yeah. very different because one's like super Californian and the other one's British. So, but it's a lot of the same like style of humor surrounded with zombies and, and they're, they never get old to me. That's, that's one of the, and I still find them funny upon like repeat viewing. So that's why I went with those ones. Uh, day seven horror movie with the worst sequels. A lot of ways to go on this one. Hey, Elon, I wanted to kind of be different. And you actually made me think of this uh, with us setting up our, our stuff for the pod when you had mentioned how Jaws is a is, is a horror movie, which it truly is. I went yep. with with Jaws because those sequels are okay. horrible. Yeah, I don't Especially like Jaws, but but yeah, they're I agree with you. They're all pretty bad um, for me. I went with one that's probably going to be a little controversial to some people. And I actually like two of the sequels, but that's it. Uh, and everything else is utterly trash. And to me, that's Halloween. Yep. That was, um, that was my uh, honorable mention. Cause you know, I love part two and part three is a lot of fun and I like it a lot, but like literally every other one that they've ever made is terrible. Everyone four, five, six resurrection H2O H2O is not bad but it's not good either. Um, but yeah, it, it just, uh, especially when you compare it to that first, the original, it's, it's not even close. And then stretch it out to Rob zombies too. And then the, the new one. Yeah. And it's like, and I don't like either of Rob zombies and I liked a lot of the new one, but the, something in the storyline of the new one that just like ruins the entire movie to me. So that's, it just is what it is. Um, best horror. It says on here now, day eight, best horror movie reboot. But we talked about this and that's just fucking stupid because that then you're talking about like movies from the last six years. So we went with what's the best horror movie remake. So I won't I won't say other thoughts that I had because uh, I don't want to ruin yours because uh, I know there's a go to here that I kind of wanted to get on. But I wanted to kind of be different and I picked a more modern one for this. And I actually never really got your take from what I can remember on it. But it's okay. one I watched, um, not for the 31 um, ha- Halloween um, month, but in over the summer, just randomly because okay. I hadn't seen it in a while in my collection. And that's the remake of Evil Dead. Okay. I went with that. It's it's not bad, um, but I it, it's nowhere near as good as the original. And I basically forget most of it. So it's like, no, that's not very good. Yeah, rewatching you know it. I mean? I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I'd probably have to rewatch it again. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. Um, I just never really had a need to rewatch it again. Um, for me, I went with the go to the thing, the thing that's, that it's, was my, it, that's why I want to ruin yours. You know, it just, it, I mean, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, we've kind of even talked about that on last week's show. It's, it's literally the greatest remake of all time. Maybe, you know, not just horror movie, but maybe the greatest remake of anything ever. Um, cause what they, they were able to do with it. So, 
That's why I went with that one. Um, Day 16, horror movie with terrible acting. And I'm just going to be a cop out on this one. I don't fucking know. There's Wait, hey, 4 million of them. Like, oh, we did? Day 9. I'm an idiot. Horror movie <laughs> with the best villain. Never mind. Horror movie with the best villain. I don't know why villain. I was reading that. I went with Old Glory on this, man, of horror in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. For oh, okay. I went with a different route because it's my favorite horror movie character of all time and it just so happens to be a villain and it's uh captain Rhodes from day of the dead good call such an asshole Um, in that yeah and he's great it's it's entertaining as he is an asshole so i i think that that's what kind of makes it special and i know a lot of people think it's like over the top but i think it's perfect it's completely unhinged and it's great um so yeah there goes that one 10 horror movie you hate that everyone else loves you know my answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people love this. That's what's tough to like know other people's opinions, but like, I know it did well and I don't even know if it's a horror movie, but it's just what I put. I don't need to go into some tangent. I went with the village. No, I could see that. Cause it's Shyamalan. The end. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people do like that shit. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, That's no, I could see that. Uh, mine's, if you know anything about me, it's pretty easy. Cause it's the one I've gotten sh- the most shit for forever. And it's jaws. jaws. Uh, yeah. don't like jaws at all. Never like jaws. The best thing about it's Roy Scheider's performance. Other than that doesn't really do much for me at all. Um, next up we are on day fucking 11, 11. I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind. Best horror movie long days here in the pit. Hey, y'all. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, best horror movie with a disappointing ending. So you'll see where I'm coming from with this. I went with the original it TV movie with Tim Curry. Cause that ending like, you know, back then, like it hasn't held up as a film as much, but back then I never liked it really. Okay. The see, back then I, I liked it. And the end he turns into like this horrific, I guess it was CGI of the time spider creature. And it just, I mean, it just, that always notoriously stuck out to me. See, for me, I went with a movie that a lot of people consider a classic. I think it's a great movie, but it's literally a good ending away from being an absolute five-star masterpiece. And that's the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, That ending sucks. It always kind of sucked where she gets pulled through the door. Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't make any sense. They even say, if you've ever seen anything about uh, the movie, like we were talking about this recently because you were watching the Crystal Lake Memories, but there's uh, a documentary. It's like over four hours. It's called Never Sleep Again. And it's about the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And they even talk about this where like they didn't know how to end the movie. And they were basically a slave to test audiences because everything that they did didn't work. So this is the only one that got like a big reaction from people. So they used it and it's not very good. I never thought it was very good. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Like, I think that's the one thing that actually holds Nightmare on Elm Street back from being like the most upper see, echelon I'm, I'm not that that's ever been made. It. You know, I definitely see what you're saying. And I know that's like, a, a again, another notorious end that, that a lot of horror nerds will talk about and call out. And, and I do agree, but I don't I don't like hate the whole movie because of that you know yeah now next up we have a really stupid question what's your least favorite horror movie ever well see can i say this because day 15 and not to get ahead and all over the place here but you'll again you'll you'll correlate with what i'm saying here 
uh, is least favorite horror movies what we're on now, and then 15's worst horror movie reboot. And for me, those were the same. Like it was the same movie because I'm like, this movie okay. sucks as a reboot. <laughs> so let me just say that um, moving forward, you know, we can get back on track with the the core chronology here. But that was, and I, I doubt you even saw this, hey, Ed, because you could probably even just sniff away that this was going to be a horrific piece of shit. And I'm glad to put it on here twice. That's the Leprechaun remake with oh, Horn Swoggle. Yeah, I've I, never I've seen never, it. I never thankfully. got through it. I tried it two different Jesus. times. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've it's heard that, that it's horrible. Um, I think they just got the license to it because it was cheap and that's why they did it. So it, it doesn't really have anything to do with the, the whole lexicon of Leprechaun in the first place. So it was so bad. Yeah. I, for this one, I don't, I'll just do the same thing you did with the worst horror movie reboot and the worst, my least favorite horror movie ever. I'm going to go with the fog remake, which is a total piece uh. of shit. Um, there's <laughs> literally no point to it other than John Carpenter to get a paycheck. So I'll just throw that one there for for my least yeah, favorite. Yeah, I think horror that makes movie. sense for both of them. It's just least favorite fucking horror movie. Now this one was weird. Day thirteen horror movie you've been meaning to see but haven't. So this this made it easy for me because last week we were talking about, um, or maybe a couple podcasts ago when we were talking about uh, our personal thirty one days of horror, and I had a couple on there that I hadn't seen. I watched one of the two. There's only two of them. I watched one of the two, so I went with the other one since I had just brought it up, and that was uh, Shutter's Host. I haven't watched that yet, so I'm going okay. to see it and have it. Uh, I'm kind of the same way, so I'll just I just went on to my watch list, and it's one of the ones. It's a newer horror movie from Shutter that I haven't watched that I put on here. It's from 2019, and it's called The Shed. Um, oh, I, I wanted seen to watch that too. Good call. I'll I'll definitely check that out. So that's one that I've been meaning to watch that I just haven't, and I'm probably not going to even get to it during the 31 days because I have that kind of mapped out at this point, uh, which we're going to get to in a little bit as well. But let's uh, let's keep rolling on this list, Jay, because uh, some of these have actually been easier uh, than than I thought. Um, number 14, horror movie with the best sequels. This one is easy for me. You're probably gonna be the same as me. I was gonna try to be different, um, but. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll give you my honorable mention then because I had it split. Um, okay. Night of the Living Dead. Okay, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. That's not what I went with. Um, oh, wow, okay. See, I can't assume that. But it's because I guess that I mean they're sequels, but they're not really follow up stories. They're all separate stories. I guess I thought about that. Yeah, but so, but you no, know, I mean I don't disagree with you. You you wouldn't be wrong. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But what I said for this one was Friday the 13th because I immensely enjoy yeah, the sequels. I, yeah. the, the first seven to me are all great films. Like I enjoy them all. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty strong showing as far as far as that goes, in my opinion. So, yeah, my, my honorable mention was Evil Dead because, uh, you know, I love I love the quote unquote Ash original trilogy, Evil Dead, yeah. and Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. So that was no complaints there. Uh, worst horror movie reboot we already did for day 15 day 16 horror movie with terrible acting so shout out to bruce lentz in incredibly strange video where i got this movie it's actually criterion hey you and okay. it just actually okay. stuck out to me because i just it, it is for a reason it's basically a student film and the movie's really okay. cool especially for the time but the the acting is is where i went this route and that was equinox 
ah, Equinox is great. That's an awesome movie. But do you remember it's, the uh, acting? Because it's like students. Of course. <laughs> but dude, it's it's basically where Sam Raimi got the idea to do Evil Dead. Yeah, lots of Evil Dead references on the Jays list, of course, which makes sense. But yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure is the precursor. Yeah, that's actually a, <laughs> that's a really good choice for that. <laughs> Um, for me, uh, for this one, I'm just going to go with a local piece of shit <laughs> movie, uh, <laughs> and that's Children of the Living Dead, um, which, my God, the movie's not good either, but the acting They're is... Like, hey, hey, Tim, come over here. It's like, that's his real name. Not His, name's not, his name in the story is Leviticus. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, sorry. Hey, Tim. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and this is all in the movie. Hey, uh, Lucius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like we don't have money to edit this. Like just act like it. Well, now you gotta start calling him Lucius. Fuck it. Like, but yeah, that's a horrible piece of shit. Day seventeen, cheesiest horror movie. I had to get this classic on here. Hey y'all, I went with Troll Two. Okay, I was actually gonna say that, but since since it's cheesiest horror movie, I'm gonna give you a cheesy answer. Bruno Mattei's Rats. Oh god, because rats. Because rats like cheese. <laughs> See? Ba-dum-bum. Cheesy bullshit. Yep. Day 18, horror movie with the worst plot. Once again, Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Seth, Grandpa Seth, Grandpa Seth, get a bologna sandwich. I mean, Dude, it's just, it, you know, it, it, horrible. Every time I hear that movie, you know what the first quote that comes to me is? What's that? And it's not, it's not the one. Everybody always thinks it's the piss on hospitality line, and it's not. <laughs> My favorite line in that movie is, come on, it's time to eat. Do, 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 do. What's for breakfast? Yeah. Breakfast. Literally, what what's for breakfast? <laughs> because people can't even say words correctly when they're doing a movie like Troll 2. Um, yeah, that's a really great choice for that because it's – God, that's something. To, if you've never seen Troll Two, Jesus Do Christ! I don't favor. know if you're you're lucky or unlucky. I don't know which one, but you're one of them. So, uh, day nineteen, best horror movie soundtrack. I went with Lost Boys. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I, I went with like an. An actual like, like score. That's, yes. that's where I was up in the air about, but I, I just think I, I always listen to Lost Boys, so I just had to go with it. So I'm going with Dario Argento's Deep Red. That's one of my favorite Ooh, soundtracks yeah, of all time, and it's all Goblin, so you can't really go wrong with that. Um, day 20, horror movie title that best describes your life, the J. Well, because of uh, what I'm capable of with my wife, I went with Scream. Talk about the ba bomb. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so love that yeah for me i obviously i have no fucking idea with this just um, go with troll too <laughs> yeah sure let's go with that it, it makes yeah actually because it's just like my life it makes no fucking sense um <laughs> it's uh day 21 best 70s horror movie Man, was this tough, man. Um, but I, I had to go for, again, I describe them, the old glories, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the J. Yeah, mine's kind of a cop-out. It would be Dawn of the Dead, obviously, because it's my favorite. But if I was, if somebody said, okay, well, you already used that, uh, you got to pick yeah, something that's else, what I'll say to you, hey, I, I would go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I think that's a great choice on your part. Uh, day 22, best 80s horror movie. 
this one to get it on there because I love the series. Um, just with you, I went with Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, uh, for me, um, I actually went with another one that I had already named, and I'm going to go with The Thing. Um, I think it's one of the best horror movies of all time. Yep. Uh, Day twenty three. What's the best nineties horror movie? I went with it's a double whammy here on the Jays list in the last few. I did go with Scream just because of what it did for the genre at the time. Uh, kind of because there was, you know, this is so hard for the favorite shit. So, yeah, I just had my line of thinking to go with kind of the groundbreaking, bring back the, the horror genre with a, a vengeance, you know, Wes Craven. So, went with now, Scream. Now, now, see, for me, this one was difficult uh, because oh, there was a few really hard. Uh, Cemetery Man is one that comes into mind for me uh, because I really enjoy that movie. Yeah, we always love that. Um, but uh, the one that I'm going with is because I've enjoyed it since the first time I saw it, which was actually with you on video. Um, and it's from 1996 from director Robert Rodriguez. I picked From Dusk Till Dawn. Nice. Yeah, I, I just, love that I fucking movie. Again not too long ago, man. It, definitely it holds up pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's some of the effects in it, you know, they're, you could ask for a little bit more, but like it still holds up as a really fun flick and the cast is unbelievable. So definitely no argument there. Day 24 best genre of horror. I went with uh slasher just because of the amount that I like in the yeah, genre. Get, you know what? I, I want to say on a, on one note, I wanted to say zombie movies, but I think so many of them are terrible. Um, I tend to just get more enjoyment out of slasher films, but you could, I mean, there's just so many like monster movies, Jalos, stuff like that. Yep. Like it's really hard to pin down, but I don't think you could go wrong with the slasher movies. So day 25, best horror movie made for children. You know, I had to go with the monster squad. Hey, you same here. There's yeah, that, even though they I talk mean, about it was made for like tweens kind of, but yeah, I mean, but we saw it earlier than that. Oh, hell yeah. You know, that one actually holds up to this day. I still enjoy it like I'm a fucking kid. Yep. So moving right along here. Day 26 horror movie that best describes your ex. Well, it's a <laughs> it's a spoof of a like somewhat of a horror movie is the best I can come up with. And that's the adult film Edward Penis Hands. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell knows what to say here? Yeah, I I have no idea on how she to, devil. So, <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Um, day twenty seven, best non Halloween holiday horror movie. I'm gonna be curious at yours on this one. Hey, yeah, I went with uh, good old Silent Night, Deadly Night. Good choice. I went with the same holiday, but a different movie. I went with Black Christmas. Nice. I thought you were gonna maybe do that. It's a good call. Day 28, best Stephen King horror movie. This was another tough one, um, but I, I like him a lot. I went with the modern day it's. Mm. See, I hated part two. I thought it was that's that story to me. Even I felt the same way about the original. That whole story falls apart to me when they become adults. It kind of gets. Yeah, I agree. But I, I like the first one a lot. So. This one probably isn't going to be that surprising. Uh, I actually think the movie's better than the book, uh, and that's The Shining. I'm a big Stanley Kubrick fan, so that's definitely my choice for his best horror movie, I suppose, even though he hates it. Um, Day 29, best horror movie based on true events. One of the ones we always loved, Hey, Yo, with our boy, shout out to Runk. I went with Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. 
same thing that I picked. Uh, that movie is fucking brilliant. And uh, there's really, you know, as far as like people say that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on true events. It's really not. That's based. It's based around what Ed Gein did, but it, it has nothing to do with the actual crime. So that's why I went with something uh, that was a little bit closer to the real life thing. Um, Day 30, best horror movie death. I went with I went through a ton of them, um, but I just went with a fun one that was just in my head. And again, like you, you had mentioned it, watching um, the four plus hour documentary Crystal Lake Memories. I went with uh, Jason's kill from Jason X, which is one of the worst Fridays, but nonetheless, the I like kill it when he freezes I the do girl. Like, that is cool. That's that's the shit that I like about like that movie's bad, but. It's if fun. you're a Friday, if you're a Friday the Thirteenth fan, though, it gives you some stuff that like is really cool. Like they give you the Frozen Kill, they give you Super Jason, they give you the that scene where like Jason's in that emulator beating the shit out of everybody in the sleeping bags. Yeah, like yeah. there's just little winks and nods and cool shit. If you're already a fan of Jason Voorhees and Friday the Thirteenth, so yeah, I'm definitely definitely not going to argue with that because I think that that's a really cool one. Um, for me, I went with one of the most gruesome kills of all time. Uh, it's from Gates of Hell, and it's when Giovanni Lombardo Radici gets the drill through the head. Ooh, it's yeah. fucking brutal that scene and it's great and it still holds up for a movie that was made in 1980 so um that's it for the 30-day horror movie challenge we actually got through that uh pretty well uh, we were a little worried about it going into it because some of the questions were weird and you know we we both looked at the list ahead of time but there was a lot of them that both of us didn't really have answers for so i, I was actually impressed there so yeah uh now before we take a commercial break, we got to give uh, the listeners our weekly update to Jay. So as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, we're both trying to do our 31 days of horror. Um, the Jay, uh, remind me of where you were. How many did you get up to last week? So I believe you were at nine. I was at five, including the yes. one we reviewed. So okay, I don't know if you want to include the one that we review this week as well. I mean, it is a, a Halloween yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's first the movie that you'll be hearing us review next. Hubie, um, as I mentioned, the most recent watch I had just last night, Thirty Days of Night. Um, I, I'll put in there as as again we've discussed, Crystal Lake Memories. Okay. I watched the uh, the Fog. I okay. also watched um, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, as we talked okay. about since the last yep. show, and that was it to this point. Um, so in the week so what I had, that's actually a lot. Uh, what? five and five. I'm doing uh five. Ten. I'm on a pace, so I'm at ten. So yeah, you're, okay. you're going to start crushing me, I think, here. But I'll I'll work on it. Okay, so I left off at nine, and uh, so we got my tenth of the the month was. It's a movie that was on Shutter. It's from 2019. It's called The Deeper You Dig. Uh, kind of interesting. Nothing great. Um, and th that's going to be a theme here uh, for this next batch of movies, except for a couple of them. Number 11 for me this month was Mortuary from 1983, another one I watched off Shudder. Uh, number 12 for me was one I caught on HBO Max. It's a really cool Japanese movie from 1977 called House or Hausu. Uh, 13, I don't like this movie, and I wanted to give it another try, and it played a lot better than I, I remember it playing. And that's April Fool's Day from 1986. Oh, cool. 
14 is one I actually wanted to ask you about if you'd ever seen. I watched the 2019 remake of Child's Play. Have you seen this? I did what my dad did with me. Stop light, green light. You ever hear of this? Like my dad would watch a horror movie or something like that. And if there's nudity or something, he would know yep. it's coming up and he'd make me cover my eyes. I did that with this movie with my kids and it worked did out. Did you like us? I, I, dude, I thought it was fun. Me too. I yeah. Now, I will say this. Chucky in the movie, the design is fucking terrible. It looks like shit. It's really bad. Um, Mark Hamill doing Chucky was great. Aubrey Plaza did really well as the mom. Um, the kid's a little bit older, so I like that they added in a few other like neighborhood kids like in the tenement or whatever. Yeah. They did the they did the dickhead mom's boyfriend angle. It was way better than I expected it to I be. Agree with it's that, yeah. it's not great, but like it's the it end was, was fun. cool, like all the chaos yeah. in the store and shit, like yeah, crazy I, ending. I was I was real like I was rolling my eyes because my girlfriend wanted to watch it and I'm like, all right, fine. And I, I just wasn't expecting it to be any good at all. And I actually got a kick out of it. So that was number 14. Number 15 for me is from 1988, a little movie called Scarecrows. Um, I think you've seen that before as well, the Jay. I know we, yeah. we were watching it like years ago, whenever it first came out on DVD. Um, I hadn't watched it in a while. Uh, number 16 is a movie that is uh, very familiar with you, the J, as well as your family. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's from 1977. George Romero's Martin, starring the J's mom. Yeah, Mama Bajoris. She's a featured extra. Comes out for a whole scene carrying groceries with her best friend from college at the time because she was cool with uh, one of the producers, Tony Buba, back in and, the college days. So, yeah, my mom's in a Romero movie, which is awesome from a Pittsburgh boy. And, dude, I love this movie. I mean, I absolutely utterly adore this movie. I think it's fucking brilliant. The more I watch it, the better I think that it is. The score is fantastic. The the acting performance by John Amplis, I've I've told him this as much, but it's one of my favorite performances ever in a horror movie, and even though it's riding the borderline here, um it's my favorite vampire movie of all time. Yeah, it's such a cool movie, man. Uh, 17 for me was another one that you watched the J from 2003 house of a thousand corpses. I mentioned that earlier on the show, 18 for me, it was one. I didn't mention it as the last horror movie I watched because it's not really a horror movie. And it's one we're going to be talking about in the next segment. And it's Hubie Halloween from 2020. So I'm up to 18 so far for the month, man. I'm doing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, not too much of a separate separation and i wanted to, to mention to you because i've been forgetting to so i just thought of it here on the pod and i know i've asked you this before um but i think it's something worth for you to check out especially during the halloween season here and that's the barn which is a locally made film and i yeah. want to give that a shout out because it's a great halloween movie that's one that's on my list i just don't have access to it that's why i haven't watched it otherwise if i had a copy laying around or if i you know if it was on yeah, shutter or something it's, it's I would one definitely i'm really give it a shot. anticipating your reaction to and shout out to churchill pictures one of our actors rick billick plays the uh, preacher in it too so got that correlation go. too but yeah it's yeah. worth checking out the barn yeah, there you go. So I'll definitely check that out, hopefully, here at some point. But we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to take a look at the new Adam Sandler comedy uh, based all around the holiday of Halloween. That is Hubie Halloween from 2020, uh, streaming on Netflix. So we'll be back right after this, guys, on the What's Real podcast. This is Ed from the What's Real podcast for Physically Fit with Kurt Angle. 
At Physically Fit, we are committed to providing our customers with the highest quality, better-for-you protein snack nutrition the entire family will enjoy. In a time when product quality seems to be compromised by price, we are determined to be unique and offer different offerings, superior ingredients, great taste, texture, and quality in every bag. We strive to inspire everyone on some level and share values of faith, family, respect, and excellence daily. Our goal is to be a small part of your life, personal growth, health, and happiness. We consider each customer to be part of our growing physically fit family and encourage all to live life to its fullest. Set new goals daily better yourself physically, financially, emotionally, and spiritually. Don't compromise your values and always be kind and respectful to others. Our motto is healthy people, healthy planet, because we believe that providing great tasting nutrition makes for a healthier you and a healthier you makes for a healthier planet. Strive for a better tomorrow and live physically fit. Go to physicallyfit.com today. Right here, pubie. Give me a half pound of roast beef. And we're back, and the Halloween fun keeps continuing on here. This week, we decided to do something a little bit different. A brand new movie uh, just released to Netflix over the weekend. It's from 2020. It is Hubie Halloween, starring none other than Adam Sandler. Has a huge cast in this one. We see Kevin James, Julie Bowen, the mom from Modern Family, Ray Liotta, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider, Maya Rudolph, Tim Meadows, and many, many more. Uh, This is from director Stephen Brill, who's worked with uh, Sandler a handful of times. He was also the director of Mr. Deeds, Little Nicky, and he made Sandy Wexler as well. Um, This one is obviously more comedy than horror, um, being that Adam Sandler. And this is also the movie that a lot of people might be familiar with, because after Adam Sandler was snubbed from uh, Uncut Gems, he decided that he was going to make one of the worst movies of all time. And this is that movie. So the J, what do you think of this one here? As I best for starters, yeah. As I best, um, shout out to K Clo sent um, my review just in a nutshell to him. You know, I asked him uh, if he had got to it yet, and he said no. I did not. Thoughts? I said typical stupid Sandler movie. Lots of cameos, but some parts had me cry laughing. Yeah, I. I you're probably going to think this one was funnier than me. Um, now, I first off, I will say this. The story of this movie is a fucking mess. It's a mess. It's basically this character played by Adam Sandler named Hubie Dubois. Hubie Dubois. Who, who is like the town's Halloween expert. Um, he might be a little mentally ill um, or be missing a chromosome or yeah, two as well. Um, the town basically hates him except for Julie Bowen's character, who he went to high school with. A lot of this has to play in with his life in high school. Um, but basically, the, the the story is, every year, Hubie likes to do some stuff to where he makes sure that all the kids are safe on Halloween. He gives like a little thing at their school, and he patrols the streets, kind of making sure everything's cool on Halloween night. Um, now, he just got a weird neighbor, uh, played by Steve Buscemi in the movie. Something's definitely up with him. And there's all kinds of people dying or ending up missing throughout the course of the movie. Uh, of course, it's a whodunit kind of a storyline, but it really doesn't go anywhere. It's just a bunch of random jokes and bullshit. Um, there are a few scenes in the movie that I thought were genuinely funny. There's one scene in the movie that it killed me the most. 
and it's uh, <laughs> and it's the scene where there's a cat and he throws a cat at the at, uh, <laughs> at a character in the movie and the cat just has like this fucking shocked face where its eyes are bugging out. I don't even know if you noticed that oh, or not. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, that shit had me dying. That was to me the funniest That's moment the thing. in the it's whole all movie. stupid shit. I mean, let's like one of the best gags of the film. Let's play a drinking game. Hey, yeah, here on episode 42 of What's Real, the Hubie Dubois Halloween drinking game. So me and you, hey, we're going to take a drink for every funny shirt appearance. Uh, shout out to <laughs> his, his mom in the movie. Um, so I, we sh- got, I shaved my balls for this. I shaved my balls for this. Boner donor. <laughs> the one chick, it was a different one, had a happy Halloweener pointing down. Yeah. She had the jacket. I'd hit that with the boxing gloves on the back. <laughs> yeah. She had the, if you can read this with like a bullseye, you're in fart range. Um, <laughs> my probably favorite muffs diving school. <laughs> and then the last one, um, getting pretty drunk here. Kayaking gets me wet. <laughs> so yeah. The good. shirts, Just the, the shirts were definitely here. good. Uh, and dude, the one scene that uh, it, to me, this was like the funniest actual scene is when Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph, they Tim play Meadows a married me. They play a married couple and like, she's just not attracted to him at all. So like everything he does, he's like, Oh, you like that? And she's like, no, I don't like that. But dude, the part, so they're dressed up for Halloween. She's dressed up as the bride of Frankenstein. And he's basically like the headless horseman, but he doesn't have the horse or nothing. It's just a guy holding his head. And, and dude, when he's in the car and he's like sucking on his fingers and he's like, you like that? And she's like, no, why would I like you sucking on your fingers? And he's like, well, it's like imagining me doing it to you. And she's like, so what, you think I have giant man fingers? <laughs> yeah, he Dude, had me they, they both were great together. Uh, and it's it's kind of sad, but, but like I missed a lot of Sandler's normal goofs in this movie that yeah. weren't in it. Like that was a little disappointing to me. Uh, one other bright spot that I'll give this one to and it, it's really a testament to how good of an actor this guy is because he makes the best out of anything. And it's Steve Buscemi. Oh, of course. He's like he the, the is, Wolfman. Dude, he is so good in this stupid fucking movie <laughs> that it's it's like almost ridiculous that they allowed him to like do as well as he did. He plays like an older guy on top of it. So it's like. I mean, trust me, he's the best part of the movie. And that was I'll like Ray Liotta. He did his thing. You know, just yes. playing the asshole. They just, so he was good. Yeah, there. they had him yeah, have him play the unhinged asshole. So I did like that. But dude, the biggest disappointment to me in this movie was Sandler. He wasn't funny. He basically the whole I don't know if you got this or not, but okay, I'm gonna ask you. Do you feel like he was doing an impression the entire movie? And if so. Who was he doing an impression of? Yeah, it's just the route he took with the character. Um, I, you know, his it, voice is what I'm talking about. Oh, it's it's like his shtick. He he does. It's it's along the lines of past characters, uh, Little Nicky and uh, Waterboy, of course. You know, but dude. Do you know who I like? I so you're talking about like he based it on like a yes. unknown person. I I have no yes. idea to be honest with you. It's Bill Murray and Caddyshack. Oh, okay. 
I it's like the, up on that. Because in, if you ever watch Caddyshack, yeah, it's like Bill Murray's like, yeah, and he's the dumbass. Like everything yeah. he does, it's like the stupidest shit imaginable. And it's the same thing here. He has the same kind of voice. I felt like he was like, oh, I want to play this dumb character. And it's like, man, Bill Murray's like in Caddyshack's like my favorite dumb character. So that's what he did. I don't know that, but that's totally yeah, that's the vibe that up. I got from it. Yeah, and then he um, has uh, his funny gimmicks. Like he has that uh, thermos. That does yes. all kinds of crazy shit. And then the other gimmick that, you know, me as a, a fan of uh, slapstick comedy, where, like you said, nobody likes them. So they're always throwing shit at them. And Dude, there, there's certain parts that are funny as hell, like when he's at the school and stuff. So. Normally, that's the kind of shit I like. I didn't think that was funny in this movie at all. Because no. I, th- I felt like they did it a lot at the time at the wrong moment. So it really fucked up the what was happening in the movie just for yeah. a stupid gag. I could see that. So. So, like, at the beginning when it was happening, it was funny. And then especially, too, as it started moving on, it's funnier. The shit's actually getting thrown at him. Um, but then it just, it they killed the joke to me. Yeah. Um, Kevin James in this was terrible, he I thought. He goodness, no. And um, I know you don't like Kevin James. I, no. I don't mind him. So but this was even I was worse. I was like, disappointed this to with me- Shaq. I was expecting him to do something funny, maybe. And I didn't. did think the voice thing I thought was funny, but then yeah, it's the like, then it gets to like gross out comedy. And I'm like, all yeah. right, this isn't even funny. Um, there, you know, it was, it was really uneven. And, and the, the one thing that this movie did get right, maybe this is just me, but like, I actually like the Julie Bowen character. I think she's really cute and she actually plays the role. Perfect. So like what they put her in the movie for was good. But it was pointless. Like, it's just the typical give Sandler the love interest no matter what. Typical and Sandler formula where there's, like, the, like, feel-good moment that it leads up to yes. at the end, of course. But but it just does – it didn't resonate with me. I, I didn't find it to be that fun. Um, I – and I'm – you know me. I'm not a, a Sandler detractor. I like his stupid comedy stuff. I at least get a remote kick out of it even if I don't think the movie's good. And this time around, it just fell totally short of that. I just didn't think that they had enough here to really flesh out a funny movie. It felt lazy in a lot of ways and actually depends on the talents of the actors and the role to be funny more than the material itself. And I think that that's why the movie is ultimately a failure. And that's coming from somebody, like I said, like I, we talked earlier, like this same director made fucking little Nicky and Mr. Deeds. Like people hate little Nicky. And I think it's fucking hilarious. I think so, little Nicky's underrated. I think Mr. Deeds is underrated. Mr. We, we Deeds just is not underrated. Too long ago, everybody we were with, we, they weren't really watching it. We, we went up to uh hidden Valley and everybody like started watching the movie. Like, like I just put it on in the morning, you know? And yep. we were like all congregating and everybody just like got sucked into it. And, we're like and I like, so. and to me, that's like the opposite of this movie because I felt like it was Mr. too Deeds, uneven. It, well, Mr. Deeds tones down the stupidity in favor for like an actual storyline in the movie that's, you know, means something. But this one, they didn't really do that. It's just utter stupidity well, his, nonstop. His character carrying this movie not working, in our opinion. Uh, well, yeah, it, do, it doesn't. Talking, but I, for yeah, for him to carry the whole movie, he was he was he kind of becomes annoying in a lot of ways. You know, uh, yeah. And again, you there was do, funny enough. You don't root for him. It's like not watchable, that sort of thing. But yeah, you don't really root for him. You kind of are like, you, you know, I didn't like the choice he made with putting together that one of his stupid characters it's, you know what's weird too it's it's a half-baked concept because 
at the very least, one thing that they, and I was waiting for this and they didn't really do it. I was waiting for like the stupid flashback to when Sandler was a kid and it like shows you why he loves Halloween, but it was going to be for the dumbest reason ever. And they just didn't even do that. They didn't really explain why he loves Halloween all that much. So it's a half-baked concept that's just not funny. And even with an amazing cast, like of really like George Wallace plays the mayor, he's funny all the time. He wasn't funny in this. It just yeah. really fell short on a lot. I was honestly, dude, because I was kind of expecting this just to be like a stupid fun Halloween comedy, and it really wasn't. So I was really disappointed in this one. And that's coming from somebody that actually enjoys the Sandler stuff on like a dumb, funny level. And I really, it just missed a lot of the marks here for me. Another big problem too, a non-spoiler best we can, since it's a, you know, as far as plot points and things, since it's a fresh movie, but the, the whodunit aspect doesn't pay off either. It's just goofy. No, and, it's uh, really lazy. It's just goofy. Uh, shout out to uh, a solid cameo that, that we didn't say yet. Uh, this might be a spoiler, so it is what it is, but I got to shout it out. And that was a returning character in this, the uh, Sandler universe that Ben Stiller portrays at the beginning. I thought that was Yeah. Funny. And you know what else, too? That reminds me. I, uh, I It's really short. That's why it's not really a major point. But like what very little we got of uh, Buscemi and uh, Rob Schneider together was yeah. pretty funny. Just um, I just wish they would have did a little bit more. It's yeah. just, it's another one of those things where I'm like, well, that's weird that they were barely in that, in that capacity when they were pretty good together. So I don't know. So, you know, you got the bright spots, like I said, in Buscemi, uh, the cast is good. Like they have a funny cast, but the material's terrible. Sandler doesn't live up to it. And uh, ultimately it's just really disappointing. So where does this fall for you on the rating? scale the J. So on the what's real film scale, um, even the J that can be uh, very apologetic as opposed to unapologetic and like in Sandler, but I, I just give it a two out of five on the what's real scale. Same thing. Two out of five for me. Uh, it's I, it's not really something I would recommend even to the most ardent, uh, you know, Sandler fans. Um, it's something that I think is totally skippable and it's not really even anything I would recommend somebody wasting their time with around Halloween because it's just not really a lot of fun either. So uh, I was disappointed. What can I say? There was some funny stuff. That's what got the star ratings. Really like Buscemi. Uh, I like my Rudolph and, and Tim Meadows together. They were fun. Um, but the movie just falls short in so many different areas that, you know, there's no way you could really be happy with this, at least to me. Nope, I'm with you, man. There was, uh, like I said in the initial um, text that I sent K-Clo, you know, it's a stupid Sandler movie, a lot of good cameos, some funny parts. So that takes us uh, to the end of this segment for this week. We have something really cool that we're going to be doing for you guys next week, and it's something that I know we're both looking forward to. So I don't know how many people are out there familiar with this kind of thing, but so there's fan fiction for a lot of stuff and there's fan made films for a lot of stuff. And through the years, I've seen a lot of stuff like Batman, like the fan versions of Batman yeah, fan versions one. of star Wars and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, uh, one of those subgenres, I guess that are out there is Friday, the 13th fan films. And most of these are pretty bad. You know what I mean? There, and, and I say that across the board. Like, even though the Jay said some of them are good, that's absolutely true. But most fan films are pretty bad. 
Okay. But a few years back, there was a really good one called Never Hike Alone that was a Friday the 13th fan film. And it even featured uh, Tom Matthews, who, who was a, like a, you know, former Tommy Jarvis, you know, Friday the 13th alumni. Uh, and he made a, a really cool appearance uh, in a movie. In the movie, I should say. But premiering on YouTube the night we're recording this is the sequel. And it's called Never Hike in the Snow. And this one is one that people have been awaiting for some time. And I know that me and the Jay are both excited. So next week here on the show, we are going to have a full review for Never Hike in the Snow. So if you guys want to watch that, you can watch it right now on YouTube for free. Uh, it's a fan film. It should be pretty interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to taking a look at that one next week here on the podcast. So stay tuned, guys. We're going to have some goofs. And we're going to finish up the show right after this. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. This is Ed for the What's Real podcast for the International Wrestling Cartel. Check out the IWC at IWCWrestling.com for tickets, T-shirts, DVDs, and more. Also, for their upcoming show, Homecoming, Saturday, November 7th of 2020 at 7 p.m. at the Court Time Sports Center in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania. All tickets, $25. Only 200 tickets available. You can get those online right now at IWCWrestling.com. For the best in Pittsburgh professional wrestling, the International Wrestling Cartel. Welcome to Goofs or Goofs. And we're back, and it is that time, the Jay. So what do we got this week on the goof front? We are never lacking in goofs, as uh, all of us here that party at the What's Real podcast know. And episode 42 is no different. Hey, yep. So we picked on one Antonio Brown for many weeks uh, with his goofness. So we're switching to a former partner of crime, if you will, of his, former Pittsburgh Steeler, current New York Jet running back Le'Veon Bell as the partnership between running back Le'Veon Bell and the Jets has not gone as planned. Uh, recently, he went on a tirade on Twitter, which is what these guys do. We have criticized them at, at nauseum over their public social media rants. And now it looks like because of the way he's acting and obviously also performing on the field, uh, according to Albert Breer of SI.com, it sounds like they're the New York Jets are willing to settle for a late pick and or back-end player in return to trade Le'Veon this week's goof. Yeah, I don't think he's a goof on this one. I don't blame him for what he's doing because I don't think that it's his play that's making them terrible. It's them being terrible that's making him play bad. And they have the worst head coach in the league now that Bill O'Brien's gone. So I kind of don't blame him. Okay. Now here's the question I want to pose to you, the Jay. If you're the Steelers, would you consider maybe trading something to get him back again? We said initially when he went that that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, we talked about that would booster the depth at running back. So you're, you're bringing in a possible issue. And again, that's my problem with it is, is going public. You're like, you're a professional athlete, a grown man. I, I don't get that, but whatever. That's besides the point to your question. Hey, Ed, if we can do something where we're not losing a lot of guys, like you're talking about a late pick and or back end player, it's definitely something to think about in Pittsburgh. What about this? Just throwing this out there, not even saying it'd be something that they would consider. What about a fourth-round draft pick and Jalen Samuels? I would do it. I think I would, too. Would you do a third-rounder and a player? That, no. 
Would you do a third rounder by itself? Third round draft pick for Le'Veon. Hey, we talk about Connor getting hurt here on the podcast. We're having fun. I'd say let's go with yes on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing for now, you know what I mean? Bringing a player like him into the system would be a good thing. And, you know, we talked about this off of the show because this happened well before we started recording episodes. I don't think Le'Veon Bell's problem in Pittsburgh was ever his attitude. It was more the money. Yeah, um, I, I respected him for that and all that. It got to certain levels and things, but there were there was it a didn't lot end of up time. being Antonio Brown. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? It wasn't AB, and there there was a lot of people getting on him way before I ever did, uh, as far as a fan goes, in my perspective. So, yeah, I don't know how the financials all work out in that one, but I think that if it's something that the Steelers could pull off, you know, I would definitely consider it. Um, but you know, the J, this might surprise you. I got some goofs this week. All right, throw them at us. Hate y'all. First up, this is just a short mention. This is going to be for the entire Tennessee Titans organization uh, for unauthorized practices. So originally, uh, their game was postponed because of all the COVID testing. Um, but in the meantime, they found out that players for the team were practicing off-site with each other unmasked. And since then, we've seen even more shuffling of the schedule because of what's happened with Tennessee and a few other teams, but not nearly as bad as it's been with Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, like, what the fuck, guys? Like, you're literally putting your own bullshit, not only before yourself or your career or your team or your organization, but the entire fucking league. What are you doing? Goofs. And just just pure defiance, man. And. You know, call a spade a spade. I, I get where they're coming from. You know, other teams are going to get ahead of them. They're an undefeated team. It's competitive. It's frustrating. But this is just a dumb move. Just blatant stupidity. And if if uh, and, and again, it is an if. You know uh, that something serious can can happen from them doing this. But it's just the, that risk that they're taking. Hey, you Absolutely. And I got another big goof for you this week. None other. Then David Crosby from the old band Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, he had some shitty things to say over social media this past week about past guitar legend Eddie Van Halen. Um, and here's an update as well to this. So first up, he originally, I guess somebody had asked him about it on Twitter. Um, they asked for his opinion. And he simply, of Eddie Van Halen, and his reply was, meh. So... His bluntness was seen out of line by a number of other Twitter users, including Testament guitarist Alex Skolnick, who chimed in, I appreciate at the David Crosby too much for this to get in the way, but a much better answer would have been, I know he meant to a lot to so many, but his sound and style just weren't my thing. Uh, he also pointed out Patti Smith, who never appeared to be much a fan of Van Halen, had put together a really nice Instagram post. Uh, and there was a few other people that had something bad to say about this as well. Uh, since then, there's been an a online backlash and an update as of today. And this is typical David Crosby fried hippie dumbass uh, that he is. <laughs> but David Crosby says that he had forgotten about the passing of Eddie Van Halen when he seemingly minimalized the talents of the legendary Van, Van Halen guitarist. Responding to the backlash he received after he responded, meh, to the Twitter follower who asked... He said, yes, you Van Halen fans, I did just toss off an answer that was not cool. The even more embarrassing truth is I didn't even remember he had just died or I would have kept my mouth shut. I do make mistakes. No offense intended. 
Um, what a fucking dingleberry this dude is. He always has shitty stuff to say about other people on social media, especially other musicians. And uh, I always go back to the same point of like, you were in Crosby, Stills, and Nash. The only time they were any good was when they were Crosby, Stash, uh, Crosby, Stash. Yeah, good. Fuck Crosby, name up. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young when Neil Young was in the group. And once he left, you became a whole lot less relevant. Um, but you always have some shitty stuff to say about other people that have done better music and accomplished way more than you have. So what a fucking goof he is. Oh, blatant jealousy, man. You don't speak ill of the dead. Palm to forehead, as I say, hey, you know, and the fact that he's claiming he can't remember, I think's bullshit. But the other side of it is like, dude, if you're being honest, then, um, you know, have a doctor on standby because that was like the biggest news story of the week, you know, so. He's either smoking some seriously good cron diddly on or he's losing his goddamn mind. Yeah. So whenever it comes to assholes like this, the J, we say it every week. But Goose goofs or goofs. Or goofs. Well, I, I got two more. Hey, young. I got to. Oh, gotta you do? Jesus Christ. You. Yeah. So. OK, fair we'll, enough. We'll I didn't we'll realize just, it. We'll just run through them here. Yeah, I, I had a uh, th- uh, three total to throw at you. So I did the levy on. OK, uh, we got your other two in there, which which I like a bunch of goofs. And that's why the segment is titled such. So in this one, uh, it's a pretty unique story here. I'm sure you caught wind of this. Nikki Patterson knows she's a stan. In fact, Stan was the first Eminem song that the 35-year-old nail technician from Aberdeen, Scotland heard when she was a teenager. She then um, turned 19 and cemented her love for the rapper with a tattoo as she got a backwards E for Eminem. But it didn't stop there. The Guinness World Records confirmed with CNN that Patterson received the title for the most tattoos of the same musician tattooed on the body. Of the 54 tattoos across her 5'6 frame, 28 are Eminem themed. And 16 of them are portraits of the rapper, which earned her the new record. But how can you not say she's a goof? Jesus. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> say the least. I felt that fit on Goose or Goose. Hey, yep. And yeah. we're going to round it out with a guy that I know you consider one of the kings of the goofs as. Okay. Tiger King villain Doc Antel has officially Ugh. been arrested on 46 <laughs> counts of animal cruelty charges, um, which is being reported. He, of course, as he always does, is vehemently denying any wrongdoing. Uh, but I guess he was in uh, cahoots with another, um, you know, big game uh, guy, hey. like all those fucking goofballs and Tiger King. That that Doc Antel is that the same Doc Antel that's very good friends with Mark Calloway? Yeah, he's on a name to name basis with Taker himself. But, Jesus um, Christ! But yeah, he's popping up as being officially arrested. So we'll have to uh, keep an eye on him. He's another uh, podcast pop culture uh, character that's popped up on the show, of course. So that was worth mentioning that he's facing some serious charges here uh, after denying things for a long time and kind of seemingly on the, on the border of possibly being arrested for a long time. So well, I mean, officially dude, went if, down. Hey, y'all just think how much work he's going to have to do. Cause if he goes to jail, he's going to have to restart another harem. Exactly. But with dudes. With dudes. Yep. So you is that called you a harem? There, yep. There's a question for you. Is it a harem? If it's dudes, it's a himum. <laughs> <laughs> And Doc, Doc Antel will be all up in that. So, Ugh. but yeah, yeah. Eminem fans with tattoo records and Doc Antel possibly going to jail. Goofs are, are goofs. goofs. Hey, 
Well, that's it for us this week, guys. Hope you enjoyed this mammoth episode. I told you we have some good stuff for you guys coming up here for the Halloween season. That rolls on next week, of course. We have the Never Hike Again in the Snow uh, review. Uh, we're going to have some other fun stuff. Check out the Twitter. We'll give you guys an update on everything as we decide to do it. Uh, guaranteed we'll have an action-packed show, of course, with more NFL stuff, some more wrestling talk, and the usual pop culture sneakers and sports stuff that we go through week to week here on the show. But uh, that's it, the J. So, uh, you know, everybody should listen. You know, if you listen to the show on iTunes, give us the five-star reviews. We really need those. Uh, follow us on Twitter at What's Real Pod one uh, You can email us anything you like. Uh, well, not anything you'd like, but most things at uh, what's real pod at gmail.com. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So, the J, I hear you revving it up, brother. Revving it up like Arnie and Christine themselves. Hey, y'all. As I've been saying, I appreciate you listening uh, to the ads, but just a quick shout out. Check out our stuff at churchillpictures.com. Our, our movies are available, and we need all the help we can get as a small, unknown, independent film company. So anybody hearing these words, we appreciate it if you checked it out. Uh, good films made from passionate people and uh, getting a lot of reviews from the small amount of people that see them. So appreciate that. And as we say, love the show. To the producer, the man, the wizard behind the boards, Cam. Thanks for what you do, Cam. We're sounding crystal clear and great week to week. We're going to keep evolving, getting better. My brother from another mother, hey, Eel. Happy Halloween. Hey, Eel. The big holiday's coming up. I'm enjoying our October extravaganza. Love this time of year. Having a blast, man. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You'll hear the J next week. All right, man. So that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I want to send out a special thanks to our producer, the gelatinous, you know, melting sludge that he is. The incredible melting cam uh, does a great job every week on the show, uh, making sure that we're crystal clear for everybody to hear each and every week. We appreciate all the hard work he puts in on the show. The J, nobody else I'd rather do it with, brother, so I appreciate you sitting down with me as we do here on the show each and every week. There's nobody else I'd rather do it with. So that is episode 42, the Ronnie Lot special. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right next... uh, Wait a minute. Let's start it again. Never Narn. (laughs) Never Narn. We'll see you guys right here next week on the What's Real Podcast. What's real? What's real? What's real? What's real?